Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Guess what day it is. Huh? Hump day! Happy Hump Day, everyone. Welcome to Carrie Ullman on 101 ESPN at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And we missed Michelle. She's back. Welcome back. Good to see you. Randy, welcome back to me. I'm so happy to be here. Welcome back to you because I haven't seen you in studio since I was last here. So the gang is back together. And there are the highlights of the Blues game that are going off on my computer. But you know what, Randy? It's no coincidence. I don't think that I come back into the town, uh, come back in town, and the Blues they bring home a W. I'm not at all surprised. A five-two victory last night, and I got to tell you, and as you know, I'm generally sunshine lollipops. I did not feel good about last night, but they surprised me pleasantly. Surprised me, and I fully expect now that tomorrow night they're going to win it in six, like I said they would before the series started. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you have to be patient. That's why you have to take a mm-hmm. global view of things when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs, because things can oscillate so quickly. Injuries pop up. Momentum shifts things. Guys get hot at the right time. I kept saying before the series that I thought Vladimir Tarasenko was going to have a, hey, National Hockey fans, remember me, because we've seen what he's been doing this entire season. He's got a chip on his shoulder. We know what he's capable of. And last night was the Vladdy game I think a lot of us have been waiting for. He was a monster in the third period. The Blues, as they want to do in these games, they scored first. Ryan O'Reilly, 4.53 in on the power play. Right side to Tarasenko. Return to Perunovic. Slapper on. Rebound loose. He scores! Ryan O'Reilly, a power play goal. 4.53 into the first period. 1-0 St. Louis. Now, the Blues took their only two penalties of the game in the first period. Nick Letty for interference. Robert Thomas for slashing. Both penalties led to Kirill Kaprizov goals. It was 2-1 in favor of Minnesota after a period. But we get to the second, and late in the second period... Thomas snaps a shot wide of the goal. Here's Kairou trying to tie it. To the goal! They score! Brandon Saad! His first of the playoffs has tied the game at two! 432 to go, second period, 2-2 two to two the score. Now, Michelle, getting to that point, uh, I thought that was so huge for the Blues to score mm-hmm. because in that second period, they were getting knocked around. Kairu took a monster hit. Yes. Shen took a big hit. Yes. And Minnesota was just, they were hard. It, it, obviously, everybody's playing hard, but it was like running into a, a concrete stanchion when the, the Blues were running into their guys. Blues were just falling down when they were, were running into members of the Wild. Excellent use of stanchion, Randy. Thank you. Appreciate that. But you're right. The Wilds were trying to assert themselves, but the the Blues would not give in. They absolutely would mm-hmm. not get in. They toughed it out, and we have seen them do this so many times throughout the season where in the second and the third periods, the Blues tend to come alive, and 
Again, I don't know what the Wild are thinking if they think that this is the way that they're going to beat a Craig Berube team. Yes, you can be physical. Yes, you can exert yourself, but you're not going to break their will. You are not going to wear this team down. These guys are not the ones. And Michelle was expecting number 91 to step up. I think any Blues fan, they look at the Blues and say, okay, at some point, number 91 is going to step up. Well, it only took a minute three of the first period for number 91 to step up. Well, you can see Shen is laboring. Blue center, Tarasenko. He scores! Vladimir Tarasenko puts the Blues on top 3-2. to 103 into the third period. That line's on the board. And you're thinking, okay, Vladdy finally did his job. We have the lead. Well, his job wasn't done. Barbashev back to Tarasenko. Shoots, he scores! Vladdy has two. It's 4-2 St. Louis. 17-29 to go in the third period of play. So you've got the ice cream, you've got the whipped cream, and then at the 18-27 mark, you get the cherry. Spurgeon keeps it in, and a nice play. Tarasenko to the empty net. He scores! And then you've got a hat. Chuck it at your radio. A third period hat trick for the Blues by Vladimir Tarasenko. Has made it a 5-2 game. 133 to go in the third period of play. Big Daddy Hattie. It's no longer <laughs> Big Daddy Vladdy. It's Big Daddy Hattie. Vladimir Tarasenko with the natural hat trick. And gosh, is he when he turns on those jets, is he unstoppable? I after that first goal in the third period, I, I just was watching him, and you can tell when he's so locked in. And mm-hmm. I tweeted this, Randy. I said, 91 is activated. You could just tell that he was not done. And I didn't necessarily think he would get a hat trick and be the entire difference in the third period, but I could just tell that he was going to have a great period after that first goal. And boy, did he. But so many guys contributing, though. That unreal um, back check by Shen, Buchnevich with the yeah. Yeah. Great pass to Vladimir Tarasenko. Sometimes I, I don't know how Buchnevich is able to find him. They just have such incredible chemistry. But Vladdy said it in the post game last night about how unselfish of a player he is. We we talk about the hat trick for Vladimir Tarasenko, but so many guys making great things happen out there on the ice. So down the stretch we come, and clearly Minnesota had their opportunities, but this is the way it ended up. Well, it ended up with a 5-2 victory for the Blues. And Jordan (laughs) Binnington, by the way, gets his second consecutive victory. And there are moments in the game where you say, okay, Mm -hmm. what's going on here with Jordan? But you're confident in him again. I'm confident in Binnington again. Even though there are times where he kind of looks out of sorts. He doesn't look quiet between the pipes. But he did what was necessary. And the only two goals he allowed were the power play goals to Kaprizov. I am so fascinated by the mental component of a goalie. Because... Jordan Bennington has been here before. He's won a Stanley Cup. He was a massive reason why the Blues won the Stanley Cup. He should have all the confidence in the world because he knows what he's capable of. But to think of what we saw out of Jordan Bennington at some points this season and to think that this is where we are with him now, and it's really not anything different physically, Mm. which is why I'm just so fascinated about how you can maybe lose that or get away from your confidence or some of the stuff that makes you so lethal from a mental standpoint. But then when it matters, when the pressure is highest, that's when you're able to find it again. And I think that's just the way he's wired. I think so. I think you're absolutely right. When the pressure is high and when they need him the most is when he steps up. 
the most. That's when diamonds are made, Randy. That's exactly right. So the Blues win at 5-2. Game number six of the series tomorrow night at Enterprise Center. Another 8.30 start, 7.30 pregame here on 101 ESPN. By the way, last night, the other NHL action, the Kings moved to within a game of eliminating the Edmonton Oilers. When are Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl going to win there? Now, it's not over yet, but the Kings mm-hmm. win it 5-4 in overtime last night. The Maple Leafs moved to within a game of eliminating the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Lightning. Maple Leafs win that one 4-3, scoring late to do so. And the Hurricanes trampled the Bruins 5-1. Carolina leads that series three games to two. Uh, to your original point about the Oilers, that's why I, I'm never quite sure why when I read a bunch of national pundits or national predictions, they always tend to lean on star power. They always look at different teams and they'll say, well, of course, with a dry sidle and Connor McDavid, the Oilers, I would think, have a huge advantage. They always talk about star power coming alive in the playoffs. And we've seen that. Vladimir Tarasenko is a great example of that last night. But it's if you know anything about the Stanley Cup playoffs, it takes every single person on a team doing their job and pulling the rope at the same way at the same time for a team to win, which is why I think a team like the Blues is so dangerous heading into the playoffs with nine 20-plus goal mm-hmm. scorers and line after line of combinations that you know can punish you. So I, I'm not all too surprised by the Oilers situation right now, but as you mentioned, series not over, and if those guys get going, it's a different, it's a different conversation. And ultimately, if you win a Stanley Cup, You've won a war of attrition. Yes. And there's only so many guys that you can have on your team when you have two $12 million players. Yes, good point. And Doug Armstrong knows how to build a unit, and through no fault of their own, because those guys both deserve the money that they're making, but they can't fill in the rest of the roster, the back end of their roster in Edmonton, like they do here in St. Louis, because of those two guys. Yeah, that's a great point. Another reason why an army we trust. Absolutely. The Cardinals last night fall to the Baltimore Orioles, the former St. Louis Browns. 5-3 was the final. Somebody named, uh, let me get this again, Kyle Bradish, Bradish, went seven innings, allowed two runs for the Orioles. But there was a highlight for the St. Louis Cardinals last night. And Bader hits it out to deep left center. It's at the wall, and it's off the wall. It scoots away. Bader racing to second. Bader racing to third. He's going to score inside the park home run. Sliding in head first. Bader and the Cardinals get on the board. You also got the first Major League home run from Brendan Donovan. 5-3 was the final. The Cardinals did have the winning run at the plate. Tyler O'Neill in the bottom of the ninth inning. He struck out swing against Bautista. And the Cardinals now need to win two in a row against Baltimore. You cannot lose a series. All due respect to the Baltimore Orioles. They're Major League players. Can't lose a series to the Baltimore Orioles. No, you absolutely cannot. I want to go back to Harrison Bader, though. Few things more exciting than an inside the park home run. We need more of that in baseball. Mm-hmm. Now, I know not everyone has the wheels that Harrison Bader does, but that is so fun to watch and so exciting. The more that you can infuse that into the game, the better off baseball is going to be, as far as I'm concerned. The biggest thing that baseball has lost from the 80s teams that I love to now is athleticism. Yes. And you need to find a way to maximize that athleticism. And clearly, the Cardinals have that guy in Harrison Bader. Also yesterday, before the game, the Cardinals sending Paul DeYoung down to Memphis. And we're going to talk more about this later in the show, Michelle, but I I don't get the sense that this is, okay, this is a two-week tune-up 
kind of a deal. He has to go down and get good again before he's going to get an opportunity to get back here. And that could take a while. Yep. It, it really could because the comments that you're hearing from the Cardinals about what he needs to do to find himself again, one of the things, I believe it was John Mozeliak who uh, pointed out, he needs to find one singular voice and listen to that, that he has all of these different people that have been instructing him and trying to help him come out of this funk uh, offensively and it's being kind of counterproductive. So I think maybe taking a step back, simplifying things. And I always go back to what the smartest hitting person that we know always says, Mark McGuire, hitting is feeling. Just get out of your head and trust your physical skills and try to find what you had at one point back in 2019. And we don't know what the meeting was like, but I brought this up on the air and I truly believe it. When you're a hitter, and Mike Shannon always said this, the worst thing you can do when you go to the plate is think, Mm -hmm. right? And Marcus said that too. He said, all of your thinking should be done before you get to the ballpark. My hope would be that when the Cardinals met with Paul DeYoung, they said, look, you can listen to whoever you want to. But And Mozeliak referenced this. Don't listen to six people. Listen to one person. Because if you're listening to, to listening to six people and you're thinking about six different things when you get to the plate, you are a mess. Mm-hmm. By definition, you're going to be a mess. So find that person that you trust, whether it's Jeff Albert or Turner Ward or Jim Edmonds or the hitting coach at Memphis or Mark McGuire or your personal guy that helped you during the offseason to have a good spring. Whoever that guy is... Find that guy and let that guy be the voice, not multiple voices, be the voice in your head. And listen to your own voice. Trust yeah. your instincts, which is hard to do. Because when, when you're pressing like that, you can't get out of your head. That's that's what mm-hmm. it is. Is Not only are you thinking about the six different voices that are instructing you, you're hearing your own voice being like, okay, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. You're feeling that pressure build. So maybe removing that element and sending him back down and and just letting him get away from all of this external and hopefully internal noise will help him reset. Michelle, I can tell you, when I lose two fights in a row, doubt starts creeping in and there's voices in my head and I'm just wondering about how I got here and how I can stay here, you know? Is the voice in your head saying, all I do is win, win, win? Sometimes. No matter what? (laughs) I am Megamind for a reason. That's what Paulie needs to say. I'm Megamind for a reason. I'm Paulie D for a reason. We are off and running on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, it is Wednesday. It is hump day, and that means it's Ask Uncle Randy Day. You can use the text line 65780. That's the Air Comfort Service text line. Or you can send us a Rhino Shield mic drop with uh, that machine on the 101 ESPN app. But if you have a question, hey, warm weather. You know what warm weather means, kids. Uh, get us a text 65780 for Ask Uncle Randy next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well, filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. It is Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN, and it is Wednesday, it is hump day, and it is time for Ask Uncle Randy. If you have any questions for me, well, I've been around, you know. Oh no, did it not fire? I think we can make it work. Can we make this work, Matthew? There we go. I've been around, you know. There we go. The the old on button. Yeah, makes a big difference. (laughs) So if you have... 
Any questions? And this is kind of a, a great weekend, the weekend after Mother's Day, and maybe you kids, you're graduating from college and you have stuff happening. Well, that's why you have Uncle Randy here. And Michelle has your questions for me, and I'm glad to help out. From the 563, the first mm-hmm. one. Dear Uncle Randy, how do I manage my love and hate with Jordan Cairo? His ability to score a huge goal one minute and the next take a nap in the middle of a shift is enough to make me pull my hair out. But LGB. LGB, here's how you manage a love-hate relationship with a young, inexperienced player. Watch number 18 and realize that a year and a half ago, number 18 was going through what number 25 is going through now. Every young player goes through it because when you're a Jordan Cairo, when you're a Robert Thomas, you get drafted in the first or second round because of your offensive prowess. You don't have to play a 200-foot game in juniors. You learn to do that at the NHL level. And we might think, oh, this is easy. Well, coaches are hired and coaches are great because they get guys to do what they don't think they have to or think they can do. And part of what makes Craig Bruby and his staff so good is that they do get young players to ascend and play that 200-foot game. Just be patient. Appreciate the skill. Love what you see from Jordan Cairo. And understand that in a year, come playoff time, Jordan Cairo is going to be a 200-foot player, and there's going to be nothing to dislike about him. Good advice, Uncle Randy. From the 618, dear Uncle Randy, I was just wondering if you think that the Cardinals are intentionally not bringing up Nolan Gorman to keep an extra year of control over him like the Cubs did with Chris Bryant. I don't think so, and we're closing in on that date, by the way. We may have already passed that date where the club can manipulate him. But the Cardinals, honestly, number one, are concerned about defense. They, like a lot of us, kind of have forgotten that Jose Martinez and Matt Carpenter Helped the Cardinals do a lot of losing because Ooh. they gave out. To, well, sorry, you, I just shuddered. I just remember. Yeah. I just remembered so, some of those days. Here's a guy. Nolan Gorman may wind up being a really good second baseman, but he's played less than a hundred games there in his entire life. He was a third baseman, and it's not an easy switch. So they want him to be great defensively. And the other point is that, and I don't think this is unreasonable at all. When he comes up. They want him to be an everyday player. And here they are a month and a half into the season, and clearly they haven't determined that Corey Dickerson is a guy that they're not going to play. Are you going to sit down right now, Juan Yepes, so that you can get Nolan Gorman at bats as the designated hitter? I wouldn't do that because Yepes is hot. Yes. Got a six-game hitting streak. Ride the hot hand. Right. So on a two-pronged approach here, number one, you're getting production out of Yepes. You aren't parting ways with Corey Dickerson yet. And even if you do, Yepes is still going to get at-bats against uh, right-handed pitching. Pitching, And the other part is is that they want Gorman to be uh, the best defensive player that he can possibly be by the time they bring him up. We have so many great ones coming in today, like this one from the 314. Dear Uncle Randy, do I go to my 40-year class reunion from Parkway North or skip it? I wasn't popular then, and I haven't seen any of these clowns in 40 years. I went to mine last year because ours in 2020, obviously, was canceled. I think it's cool to get to know people. And if you weren't popular, you had friends there and you're going to meet people. And people change from the time they're 18 to the time they're 58. They really do. So, yeah, go to it. And if you don't see anybody that you like, you can leave quickly. But, yeah, I would absolutely go to it and maybe relive some old memories. 
But if you go, don't go in with the mindset these people are clowns. No, that's a good point, yeah, Michelle. Go in with, with an open mind that you're going to connect with people that you have a shared experience with. Yep. A couple of weeks ago, I ran into a woman that I went to high school with. Uh, fantastic lady. And she was telling me about a friend that I had, the mutual friend, that's moving back to town. And I recalled a story, and this is terrible, but I was 17 years old. But uh, I recall, recalled a story that this guy had a big, really noticeable red Mustang. <laughs> and one morning we skipped class to go to IHOP and discovered that neither of us had any money. So we dined and dashed. Oh, Randy. Bad move. I know. I know. Never dine and dash, kids. Yeah. It, was, it was a bad move on it's my part. I regret Randy. it. I, I regret Randy. it, Michelle, 42 years later. So at least, you know, it's legit regret, right? But yeah, it was pretty, ne- pretty nev- funny when it happened. The never-ending guilt is not worth the pancakes. No, it's not. No. And it was delicious, I recall. But <laughs> think about this. Here we are, two high school kids with maybe the most, well, second most noticeable car in the school because Randy had an orange Firebird. Okay? Yeah, we, we that's We didn't right. bring my car. We brought his car. But uh, it's a memory that I can still visualize to this day. And if you do go to the high school reunion, walk in like you own the joint. Yeah. Popularity, cool, cool factor, confidence—it's all state of mind. It is. So don't let w- what you perceive to be a lack of popularity forty years ago dictate how you feel about yourself now. You're the coolest. Walk in the room and own it. I was not popular. I had friends, but I, you know, I, I left school at midday because I was going to manage the Onyx gas station here. I was on uh, in DECA, Distributive Education Clubs of America, so I didn't get a, sp- a chance to spend much time with my classmates then. Uh, but it's fun to see where everybody is and what everybody's up to now. And I had, you know, I, I had friends there, and I get along with them all now. Now great. So the three one four text back in and mm-hmm. said, "Good advice, you two. I'm going to go to the reunion." Yeah, there all we right. go. Yeah, enjoy yourself. Enjoy it. Yeah, it'll be fun. From the three one four, dear Uncle Randy. Speaking of pl- of doing things in high school, while in high school, some friends and I played hooky. We went to a Cardinals game. Since then, it's been a tradition for over twenty years. All right, playing hooky from work these days. How do I ensure the bosses don't catch us? Well, you you want to make sure that you don't have green seats. That's one big key because you don't want the boss to see you on TV right behind home plate like Michelle and I wound up being a couple of times a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, cardboard us. Randy and Michelle were definitely ditching work. But you know what? I We are in St. Louis, okay? And depending on what your job is and the necessity of you in the building, I think it'd be cool just to invite the boss and say, hey, we're going, mm. me and, well, no, because it's your high school buddies. Yeah, you want to let loose, too. This is a tradition. This, this is true. Yeah, it's a tradition. You don't want them okay. to break the, in- so, can you imagine saying to your buddies, hey, guys, can't wait for our 20-year-old tradition of playing yeah. hooking, going to a ga- day game. My right. boss, Steve, is also yeah, going to be joining that. us. Yeah, can't, can't do that. Okay, bad thought by Uncle Randy there. <laughs> no, so, we're just spitballing here. We're just spitballing. Okay, so the, off the bat, my thought process would be this. Uh, make sure that you wind up with seats that are not in the view of the television cameras typically and make sure that you don't tell anybody else in the office that Mm. you're going to the game because you never know how that's just going to pop up in conversation. Somebody comes in the next day and say, hey, how was the game yesterday? And your boss is within earshot. You don't want that. No social media posts. No. And by the way, again, to you youngsters that are listening and driving to school this morning, 
there is absolutely nothing wrong with playing hooky from school to go to a Cardinal Day game. And it's a great tradition. You've been doing it for 20 years. We've, we've got people that are hanging with high school friends from 20 years ago. This is a great thing. It's not a bad thing. Even if you're getting straight A's, even if you have the 4.5 GPA, congratulations. Take the day off and enjoy and relax. Go to a Cardinal Day game on Wednesday against the Orioles. So when I was a kid, there was a a program called Book It, where mm. if you read so many books, you would get a personal pan pizza at Pizza Hut. Nice. And when I tell you, Randy, that that personal pan pizza, nothing hit as hard as that thing because you've been reading books all summer. Right. And you High really, motivation. You really work towards that. There should be some sort of program where if kids read X amount of books or if they do X amount of things in school, they get to skip school for the day and go to the Cardinals Day game. That's a great idea. By the way, my dad took me out of school when I was a kid up until the time that I started driving and just going to the games with my friends, my dad took me out of school for a game every year. And I think that, especially in St. Louis, that's something that you should do. If you have a kid, uh, a son or a daughter that's eight, nine, ten years old, make that a tradition to go to a day game every year. That'd be so fun. Now, a lot of people just texting in saying that this guy should use a vacation day. I think part of the allure of this is that they're doing something dangerous. It's kind of scandalous. Yes, they're skipping school or they're skipping work together. Like it's a galvanizing force that they're doing something bad together. Yeah. So... Yes, they could obviously just take a vacation day, but I think that's taking a little bit of the sizzle out of the tradition. The danger is part of what makes it exhilarating. So <laughs> I, I like it. People are loving the Book It reference. Someone said, Book It, we were gods back then when you got that. Rand- <laughs> Randy, n- you couldn't tell me nothing when I strutted into that Pizza Hut. I'm like, oh, wrinkle in time? You bet I read it. I'll take a personal pan cheese. Thanks so much. See you later. That's a um, win. That's a big time win. But think about how motivated kids would be to read or do whatever if instead of getting a personal pan pizza, you were going to a Cardinal State game. That'd be Fantastic. Are we helping the youth of America or what? Yeah, Cardinals, you're listening. I think this is a great idea. We are helping the youth of America and, oh, by the way, we're motivating kids to read. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome, education system. From the 636, this one's important. Dear Uncle Randy, anytime I wear blues gear, they lose. But I want to rep and support the blues, but I also want them to win. So what do I do? Okay, so here's my recommendation. Today, there's no game. Wear your blues gear on the days that they aren't playing. And then if they are not winning because you're wearing blues gear, which I totally understand on game day, don't wear the logo on game day. You can wear the colors on game day, but don't wear the logo on game day. Only wear the logo on days that they aren't playing. It's it's only weird if it doesn't work. And just know that your sacrifice of not representing the team, but also providing them the juju they need to win is way more important. Why are they winning? Yes, That's, it's you. We can answer that. Yeah, it's you. Okay, one more for you from the 636. And this one is very important that we get in. Dear Uncle Randy, my wife and I just found out that we're going to be having a baby. It's our first child. It's a girl. Congratulations. Congratulations, 636. So excited for you. I've only had brothers and there are very few women in my family. What's the best way to learn how to take care of little girls? I'm scared. And number Randy's one, a great girl dad, so. So, number one, follow the advice of your bride. That's a, a key part of it. And early, this is, it's a natural bond. This is not something that you have to be scared of. She is your flesh and blood. And this is something that you should just totally embrace. Uh, one thing, and girls even though they say they, they don't say they, they love it. But uh, make sure that when she's a baby, you're holding her all the time. And when she's 
standing up. You hug her all the time. Uh, just show her dad love. That's all. Yeah. And uh, I don't think that it's... I get that because you're inexperienced and you had brothers that it might seem intimidating. It's not. Just show her love. Also, get on her level, right? Play dolls with her. Mm-hmm. Or play soccer with her. Whatever it is that she likes to do. But now... I- with YouTube and stuff, dads have such an advantage because you can go to YouTube, learn how to brush your hair, learn how to braid her right. hair, you know, develop little routines in the morning. I have a friend who her daughter and her husband go get donuts every Saturday. That's their thing. You cool. know, develop just you'll know. Like you said, Randy, it's just instinctual. You'll know. But I think with some little girls they're not as rough and tumble sometimes as boys are. Mm-hmm. Maybe be a little gentle with your girl, but depending on how her personality develops, you'll just you'll take the lead there yep. because maybe she will be rough and tumble. You never know. And I was. Sing songs. Uh, changing diapers isn't as bad as you would think it'll be, so participate in that part of raising a child, and you'll enjoy it. It'll be fun, and she'll wind up being great, and congratulations to you and your wife. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Also, Michelle, great name for a baby girl, just saying. Yeah. And uh, one other tidbit. If you do name the baby Michelle, at some point, probably when she's three, somebody's going to call her Shelly and she's going to say, no. Some people are Shelly's. I just am not. No. You know, just how some people are a Daniel Mm -hmm. and some people are Danny. Some people are Tom. Thomas, Tommy. I get it. I am just not a Shelly. I'm, I'm just not. <laughs> just like you're it, a Randy and not a hey, Randall. Sometimes Katie. it changes you go, as you grow up. I used to, you, you like four years ago, you guys would not have caught me dead turning on a microphone and referring to myself as Matthew. Oh, really? It's changed over the last later. four. Like from like 26 to like 30, I'm like, you know what? I, Matt just, you know, I, Matthew sounds better in a professional context. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Somehow like it changes. Uh, Katie is Catherine and she doesn't like being called Catherine at all. So she's a Katie. So I, I totally understand that. So um, my friends, Brittany and Patrick, they have a little daughter named Victoria who's four and she's listening right now. So shout out to Victoria. But that's another way you can be a great girl dad is by having them listen to Carriker and Smallman like Patrick and Victoria do on the way to school. Definitely. One thing that I did with Patrick and Katie is at a very young age, we developed a word of the day. And I think that helped them with their vocabularies. Even like when you're six months old, okay, here's our word of the day. Do the wordle and then just tell them, okay, today's word, I'm not even going to tell you what the wordle is today because it's difficult. But yesterday was gecko and it was a stupid word <laughs> for the wordle. But just come up with a word of the day and tell them what it means. Okay, it's like a gecko is a little lizard. Some stuff like that. So it's, and then you'll be doing all the colors. You'll have fun. It'll be fun being a parent. For the first time since the Stanley Cup year, the Blues needed Vladdy to be the man, and he was the man last night. That's coming up on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Nice play. Tarasenko to the empty net. He scores! And then you've got a hat. Chuck it at your radio. A third period hat trick for the Blues by Vladimir Tarasenko. Has made it a 5-2 game. 1.33 to go in the third period of play. That third period hat trick. The difference is the Blues knocked off the Minnesota Wild in game five last night at Minnesota. 5-2 was the final. 
of course, Tarasenko had the three third period goals. But before that, Brandon Saad had tied it in the second. And then he and his teammates just jumped on Vladdy's back in the third period. Yeah, I mean, he's an elite player. Great shots. Um, he's a special player. You can't say enough good things about him. And um, obviously helped our team win tonight. But uh, we, we know how big of a part of our team he is. And um, yeah, it's. Like I said, special player, great goals tonight, and we're looking to move on to the next game. And Michelle, it's not just the fact that Tarasenko scored the third period hat trick, but the way and the the time in which he did it, mm-hmm. scoring at 103, scoring at 231, that really takes a lot of the wind out of the sails of the team in Minnesota and the crowd in Minnesota. If you saw the crowd shots, they were beside themselves after his second goal made it 4-2. to two. Well, when the same guy beats you 68 seconds apart, mm-hmm. it's going to deflate you, and especially knowing how important it was for the Wild to get that game last night before they head back to Enterprise Center. But you're right, the crowd looked absolutely defeated. They were stunned that Vladimir Tarasenko, bang, bang, was able to completely change the momentum. And after the second period, I think a lot of Blues fans, even though they were able to get the equalizer, were a little nervous because, as you mentioned earlier in the show, it just seemed like the Wild were really exerting themselves. And these are two very evenly matched teams. And when you're on the road, you never really know how that's going to play out if you're the St. Louis Blues. Even though this team... As David Perron told us, ever since he told us that, that he would prefer to start on the mm-hmm. road, it, it really changed my mindset of the way that I view this team and how they seem to really thrive at times on the road. But anyway, back to Vladimir Tarasenko. It's so great to see him activated in this way, Randy, because it's been a minute since we've seen this version of Vladimir Tarasenko in the playoffs. And we went back and looked at the numbers and he had a much better 2019 playoff run than I even remember Mm -hmm. because there wasn't really a moment like what we saw last night in the third period where he is no doubt the best player on the ice and he can take over a game. And I think when we look back on this playoff run for the Blues, we're going to remember the Vladimir Tarasenko game versus the Wild. Right, and he has a ton of personal accolades and with everything that happened during the last couple of years with the injury and with everything that happened last summer with the trade request, he gets a hat trick last night and he says, well, it's not about me. No, it's not about it's not a time to think about any achievements for now. I think the biggest thing is we won a game and uh, just move on to the next one. I think uh, at this point from experience in 2019, we learned that only wins matter, so it's good we have a win, and we need to get ready for the next one. That's a great attitude to have if you're a young player on the Blues, and especially if you're a Buchnevich and you've never been in this situation before, and you see this guy saying, okay, it doesn't matter what I do, it's about what we do. It's really an important thing for your best player to be caring that much about winning. And look at your other best players in Ryan O'Reilly. I talk about a guy mm-hmm. who's activated and, and playing his best hockey at the right time. Number 90 is as well. Not just 91. Number 90 is playing great, too. But he's always, they always have that attitude. So if you're a younger guy and you're looking at the stars of your team, guys who are wearing letters on their sweaters and guys who have been there and done this before, and their attitude is, I don't care what I need to do. Anything that I can do to help the team win. If you're a younger player, how do you not follow that same suit? And another thing that Vladdy did. It wasn't just that he scored the goals, but it was from where he scored the goals. I mean, obviously, it's nice to make plays and, you know, play with the puck, create some opportunities. But uh, in the playoffs, sometimes it's very The team checked pretty well. And uh, it's just not frustrating, but it's hard to switch your mind to play, I mean, more grind game. But sometimes that's what you need to do. And, uh, you know, if it helped our win game four, I was ready to do this again today. And, uh 
yeah, like you said, stay connected and uh, also give us first goal. And that's going to be the key, is getting in close and scoring those dirty, grimy goals against a guy like Marc-Andre mm-hmm. Fleury. If he sees it, he's going to save it. And so the Blues have done a really good job, at least did a good job last night, of getting to the net and jostling him a little bit and scoring that way. And I have every reason to believe, you mentioned that last night was a Vladdy moment, but I would not be surprised if we would have another Vladdy moment tomorrow. Oh, he's activated. Yeah. It's game on. Absolutely game on. Um Randy, when I think about Vladimir Tarasenko and his career, and hopefully we're talking about him adding um, his name to the cup one more Mm -hmm. time as a member of the St. Louis Blues, but those guys who won in 2019 will always hold a special place in Blues history. But when I think about this season and the way it has shifted, the way that I view Vladimir Tarasenko and the way that I view Doug Armstrong, because even though Doug Armstrong we know goes out and always finds a way to make a move— the way that this could have gone down and the tensions that could have festered and the way that Vladdy could have acted a certain type of way after wanting to leave and not getting what he wanted. I mean, if you just go back to the offseason, Randy, and you you think about him wanting to get out, him blaming, well, at least insinuating through representation that part of the reason why the injury was lingering was because uh, it wasn't treated properly within house. Uh, Doug Armstrong not being able to find the correct move for him in order to make the Blues better. The Kraken not selecting him. Mm -hmm. All of the things that could have contributed to him being bummed out or sour or, or acting like a diva because he didn't want to be here. He put all of that aside almost instantly said, business is business. I'm a member of the St. Louis Blues. I can't wait to put my head down and help this team win. And every single thing that he has done on and off the ice that we've observed from Vladimir Tarasenko has backed that up. So I will forever view him as one of the great players to wear the note. And I appreciate this. You have Here's two players in Vladimir Tarasenko and Aaron Rodgers who basically had the same offseason. And both were great in the season after they had requested the trade. But look at all the drama that surrounded mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay and how quiet and how serene it's been here in St. Louis with Vladdy. I really do appreciate that professionalism. Yeah. How many people nationally who may not have been paying attention to that even forgot that Vladdy might have wanted out? Yeah, right. You know, the the storyline for them is he's healthy again and he's playing great for the Blues. Not all of this external drama that could have happened, but kudos to Doug Armstrong for maintaining a steady mind and not just wanting to move a player that could have been problematic because he wanted out. He did. He he is always playing chess, and this move certainly paid off. And if the Blues win, the Blues win tomorrow. <laughs> there game you go. six. Let's look at it this way, kids. They don't have to play Colorado. They get to play Colorado. Win tomorrow, and you get to play Colorado. And that's an opportunity. I'm letting that sink in. You get to play Colorado. Mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, we had somebody yesterday that said that whoever came out of this series he thought was going to beat Colorado. Greg Wyshynski. Yeah, so there you go. So that's a good thing. ESPN. Yeah. Uh, So there you have it. The Blues and Tarasenko win last night 5-2. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it 
or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. All right, it's time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, I'm sure you saw over the weekend that St. Louisan and friend of the show, Jason Tatum, had another big game against Milwaukee. Take it or leave it, the Celtics beating Milwaukee and be- Tatum being Giannis will take Tatum to another level in terms of his NBA stardom. I'll take that. And it's such a one-on-one sport, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they're going to say on ESPN. Oh, it's Tatum be honest. It's not going to be that the Celtics beat the Bucks. It's going to be the Tatum be honest. And I think it will. I think that'll take him to the upper echelon of stars in the NBA. You beat KD and you beat Giannis? Yeah, right. On your road to a championship, hopefully. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a difficult and star-laden path to get there. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely taking that. I think that prior to these playoffs, Jason Tatum was pretty well regarded as one of the biggest stars in the league, but I think he's ass- he's asserting himself into the conversation for the best player in the league. When you have that guy that at the end of the game, you're going to throw the ball to to win it, and he succeeds, when you have a guy that y- your fans say, okay, get it to our guy, get it to the man, and, and, t- and you are the man and Tatum is, I-, I agree with you. I think that he's going to wind up being a big, especially playing for the Celtics. Mm-hmm. If you're the man, that's like Larry Bird territory. If you're the man for the Celtics, that's big time. And he's he's just got such a great all-around game. He's doing it defensively. Yep. He's also going to dunk on you. He's He's got the highlights, all sorts of exciting stuff. And Randy, he's got Deuce, his son, who's at every game. There's all sorts of great social media videos of Jason mm-hmm. Tatum being an awesome dad. He's got all of the national advertisements and commercials. He's got the swag. He's got the style. He is built to be an NBA superstar. He is, definitely. He absolutely is. Okay, so Josh Lambeau, you may remember him, former mm-hmm. Jaguars kicker, but best known for being kicked himself, probably, by Urban Meyer. That was one of the big stories that was leaked about the toxicity that was coming out of Jacksonville or the toxicity that Urban Meyer developed and fostered in Jacksonville when he was the head coach of the Jaguars. But we remember that story because he alleged, Lambeau did, in a December 15th Tampa Bay Times story that Urban Meyer kicked him in the leg while he was stretching in warm-ups and said, hey, dip bleep, make your bleeping kicks, and then kicked him. Well, he is suing um, Urban Meyer. Excuse me. <clears throat> he's seeking more than three... Uh, he's suing the Jaguars, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. for more than $3.5 million and lost salary and additional damages. Take it or leave it. Not only does he win, but at least one player who is on the team comes forward and supports him publicly. I'm going to take it, but I'm going to say that he wins via a settlement. If you're the Jags... Three and a half million bucks. You just settle that and you move on. I wouldn't even bother going to court with this one because it's pretty obvious. There's there's going to be a lot that comes, and Urban Meyer certainly isn't going to want it, but you don't want anybody, you don't want a courtroom setting in which somebody can say, yeah, it was a toxic work environment, regardless of why or how. You, If you're the Jags, you can't have a guy saying in a courtroom, toxic work environment, and then... It getting out there. So just settle this and keep it quiet and let it end. 
And I would imagine that if it does go to court, he would have some of his teammates who, to- who totally might be called it. to support him. Right. And imagine what could be shared or revealed when you're under oath. Yeah. It could be really nasty for them. All right. A couple texts. 65780. Here is Matthew. 636. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals should let Wayno hit one game this year and DH the shortstop position. I'll take that. I would love to see Wayno hit. Me too. And so would he. <laughs> He's better than 130 hitter, isn't he? Career. So, I mean, technically. Right. You might almost be out on this one. Yeah. I just don't want him getting injured. That's all. Right. Exactly. Good point. Take it or leave it. Unless, Huso, excuse me, unless Bennington gets hurt, we will not see Huso starting between the pipes for the rest of the postseason. I'm going to take that. Wow. What did DeMarco Farr, our buddy, always say? You got to ride the hot guy. Yes. You got to ride the hot guy. And so, he is. And he's done it before. Yes, he has. So even if there's like a you know, 3-1 blip loss you know, in game two against the Avalanche, you still roll Bennington no matter what? Yeah, I think I am. Wow. That's okay. Fair enough. Uh, take it or leave it. Dylan Carlson could be the other odd man out with both Gorman and if both Gorman and Yepes get full playing time. I'm going to leave that. I'll leave that too. Prime out of my dead hands guy? No yeah. way. I would think that as opposed to DeYoung... There's probably more confidence there because of more recent success in Carlson than there is in DeYoung. Yeah. Take it or leave it. 314. I'm taking Wayne Gretzky's prediction for the Blues versus the Hurricanes in the Stanley Cup final. I'll take that. I didn't know that he predicted that, but I'll take it. I'll take it too. Carolina's good. The the Justin Falk revenge series. Yeah, there you go. I love it. <laughs> the Justin Falker event series. <laughs> or Michelle or, finding the one storyline I would not. That would have taken me 20 minutes to figure out. Oh, oh. No. Well, I was immediately thinking, what <laughs> storylines are we have? Oh, Justin Falk. That's right. Rob Brindamore, first round draft choice of the Blues, too. <laughs> back in the day. That's an even deeper cut. That's fantastic. Big early. The Blues keep their psycho next season after this run. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it as well. I don't think he wants to go anywhere anymore. And and maybe we're totally wrong. Maybe this entire season was one big audition for him to to get out and get somewhere else. But when I see him doing post-game interviews, and granted, last night he was very, very short and very locked in. Um, not short because he was being rude. It, he was just... Mm-hmm. This is, this is about the team. This is not about me and my accolades. He really had no time for self-promotion last night, which I absolutely loved. But any other time throughout the season when you've seen him do the post-game interviews with our friends at Bally Sportsman West with Darren Pang, he takes a second and you can just watch him looking around the crowd at Enterprise Center and soaking it all in. And he's made mention several times about how much he loves being a member of the Blues mm-hmm. and how much he appreciates St. Louis and the fans. So... It's not only are you having success here, you're on a good team. And in a city that really backs you and supports you, is the grass really going to be greener elsewhere? I doubt it. And the MO of Doug Armstrong is if the team does succeed, he's going to give them another opportunity, right? If if they get to the finals, I have to believe that most of this team will be back like the 2019 team was in, in 1920. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, Paul DeYoung sent down. Was it it to fix him, or might this be a little bit deeper? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. A 
8.05 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. When Paul DeYoung was demoted to AAA Memphis yesterday, he was hitting 130 for the Cardinals with a 417 OPS. He had only one home run, only three doubles, and obviously no triples, only four extra base hits in 86 plate appearances. So the Cardinals send him down, and you think, okay, well, they've done this with people like Gritchick and Wong in the past, and you're thinking... The Cardinals are sending him down to get him fixed. John Mozeliak, what does he need to do in AAA? I think the most important thing is just getting into a routine of playing again, not having to look over your shoulder. Um, as you can imagine, the pressure of playing at this level, especially in this city where winning is demanded, it's tough. And, and so th- that part will be reduced, and then we want him to get into a routine that he's comfortable with, that he believes in. I think he's had a lot of voices in his ear. I think we need to simplify that. I think we need it to be where whatever he decides to do, he believes in it. And it's not us having five or six people tell him what to do. So, Michelle, the way I'm reading this is that the Cardinals are sending Paul DeYoung down to fix himself. Mm -hmm. They've sent other guys down. Oh, we want him to work with our hitting coach at Memphis. We want him to work with the people down there. Now it's get into a routine and figure out who you're going to listen to and then do so. And he's got to fix himself. The way that I interpret John Mosellock's comments there are that they have identified what is plaguing Paul DeYoung. And it's all mental. It's all in his head that's presenting itself physically, whether it's too many voices that he has in his head from people he has sought advice from, maybe perhaps conflicting ideologies that are in his head that could be contributing to the fact that he's not seeing success at the plate. There is a lot of pressure, not only internally within himself, pressing, trying to find his offensive production again, but he is playing in a market where we are analyzing every single at bat. And we're talking all the time. How how many segments have been done on this station alone about what is the leash for Paul DeYoung? We've been talking about it for not one, not two, but three seasons now, really. Mm-hmm. And the he has the after effects of COVID, which were very real, that no longer plays into this conversation. The injuries he dealt with last season, that no longer plays into the conversation. So the way that I am seeing this from the Cardinals perspective is this is basically the end of the road. If you can't go down Mm -hmm. there and clear your head and remove all of this external pressure and all of this external noise and really find the skill set that we know you had at one point that made you successful, then I'm sorry, this is not going to work out for us. And he's he's a really nice guy. He's an accommodating guy, Paul DeYoung is. And when Mo talks about voices, you've got Jeff Albert, you've got Turner Ward. He had a personal hitting coach during the offseason that apparently helped him have a good spring training. Uh, they add Albert Pujols to the mix. If I'm a hitter, I'm going to go ask Albert Pujols. Yeah, Let's be real. We all watch the games. We know that Jim Edmonds is working with him, right? Mm-hmm. So you, then you've got the other ancillary things. Any friends on the team? Here's what you did before. You've got Chad Blair in the video room. There are a lot of voices, and that just needs to be streamlined. That needs to be lasered from six to one, ultimately. And not that he needs a wake-up call because he's very cognizant of his situation. He's done a lot of interviews where he he knows that he's struggling and he knows that he can feel the clock ticking. But maybe getting sent down is one of those moments where you're like, okay, I need to go back to what I know to Mm -hmm. be true. I need to trust my instincts. And even though his intentions were completely correct in seeking out all of this different advice, because he's clearly desperate to find what, what... 
is working for him or what could work for him. And that's probably why he's having all of these different people contribute to that. I mean, think about the piece that they did at The Athletic about Matt Carpenter trying to find himself right. again. He changed his bat. He went and saw Matt Holiday and worked with him. He had somebody analyze his swing. He saw all of these different people because he was so desperate to have someone point to something or give him some sort of advice or some sort of piece of information that could help him return to form. And I commend Paul DeYoung for being so desperate to want to find himself that he is seeking advice from all of these different people. But at at some point, you are going to have to lock into one thing that you think is going to work. And maybe going down to Memphis will make him feel that sense of urgency. And not that he's not feeling it already, but it it's feeling that, but without the pressure yeah. of being here in St. Louis. And you guys, you guys, and and Michelle, and me, and the Cardinals, and Matthew, we we all have different levels of patience with Paul DeYoung. And the Cardinals went as far as they thought they could. Yeah, I guess I could reverse the question: How long do you think we were being patient? Right. That's I mean, what I'm like, saying. How long? A lot of things were being written about that we were probably being too patient and. You know, at some level, you know, we recognize that, but we also know it's a long season, and we know he's working, we know he's trying, but you know, it just what he wasn't having that type of success that you need to see happen here. So, you know, I think uh, you know Sunday when we were flying back, staff and I met on the plane. We realized that we want to think about it. We used the off day to think, and uh, here we are. I wonder this: could he be done? Yeah, he very well could. And we're about to find out, yep. right? I mean, you just mentioned Matt Carpenter. And Matt Carpenter was kind of in the prime of his career and then just fell off a cliff. This was a precipitous drop, but he, and he's been bad for a long time. Maybe the league just caught up to him, and maybe the the COVID and the injuries have taken their toll, and maybe he just doesn't have it anymore. But he has it defensively. He definitely, he leads National League shortstops in defensive runs saved. <laughs> Which is why if I'm the Cardinals, I have more patience than probably the fan base likes because he is contributing to the team and does have a skill set that is valuable to them, just not the complete package. He's struggling in another way. So they're going to do everything they can to try to have him find that because if he can get his back going, we know mm-hmm. what an asset he'll be to this team. But I don't think that he's going down there with the shortstop job waiting for him to come back to. I think Sosa is going to get the opportunity, and I think Sosa, when he comes back on Thursday, has the chance to become the Cardinals shortstop. It doesn't matter, in my opinion, I don't think it matters what Paul DeYoung does in Memphis. If Sosa shows well here, Paul DeYoung can come back, but he's not coming back with that job open for him like Colton Wong came back a few years ago yeah. with second base open for him. What if he goes down there and after a week or two absolutely goes on a tear offensively? I need to see more because I saw spring training. Uh-huh. I need to point. see him for three or four weeks at least. But what if he does that? Then I bring him back and again, depending on what's happening here, is the team winning? How how productive is Sosa? My bottom line is going to be, is if they're winning, if they get hot with Sosa, I don't care what individually he's doing or what DeYoung is doing, I'm going to stick with the reasons that I'm hot, and that, that, that I'm winning. Yeah, and that has to be stressful for, for Paul DeYoung because I have confidence that Edmundo Sosa is going to take this job and I run with too. it. And that might be something that has also been a factor in him pressing or him being too much in his head, is knowing that the guy who's waiting in the wings behind him is very capable of of running with this when given the opportunity. But what if they both 
are performing really, really well at the same time. I think you're right. They'll probably stick with the hot hand. Whatever is working for you, you're going to roll with. But that, I think, would be the, the really interesting conversation point. What if they both are doing really well? I remember when Paul DeYoung first came up, hit a home run in his first at-bat, and we talked to him. I was doing the fast lane, and we asked him what he eventually saw himself as. And he said, well, the organization sees me as a utility guy, a guy that can play second, third, short, and I'm expecting to move around the diamond. And then obviously quickly became the shortstop. Mm -hmm. But if he's good enough offensively and if he can come off the bench, have him be that guy. Interesting. I really, for for Paul DeYoung's sake, I hope that he can go down to Memphis and find himself again because... He is a really talented guy, and it's just really hard to watch sometimes because yeah. you know that it doesn't bother anybody as as badly as it's bothering him. And we saw it with Matt Carpenter, too. You just feel for the guy who you know is working so hard, and it's just not there from a production standpoint. Yeah, so DeYoung down, Kramer Robertson up, Nolan Gorman not up, at least at the moment. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up on the heels of the Blues 5-2 win over Minnesota last night, we're going to talk to the Hall of Famer Bernie Federico next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We are talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Blues booth. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home with locations in West County, South County, St. Charles County, and our new location in Mid-County. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carrick. We go to the Brown and Coopin Celebrity Line, and Hall of Famer Bernie Federko is standing by. The Blues moving to within a game of eliminating Minnesota with a 5-2 win last night. Good morning, Mr. Federko. How are you? I'm great, Randy. A good win last night. All is well. You love to see a guy that has the ability to put his team on the back do so, like Tarasenko did in the third period. Yeah, it was good. Uh, we were talking last night is that there's no question of who is going to wake up and, and really do the job uh, earlier or not. I mean, uh, there was quite, the rush line is kind of quiet, and uh, we were hoping that uh, at some point in time that they'd get things going, and, and it was very uh, much the good timing that uh, Vladdy came through there in the third period. Yeah, right on time, Bernie, as you mentioned. But Vladimir Tarasenko did not want to talk about his natural hat trick last night or any sort of personal accolades. He seemed almost subdued. He was so locked in and just kept saying, it's about the team, it's about the win, on to the next one. Um, do you appreciate that mentality from him? Are you surprised that he doesn't even want to revel in his own personal success at all? Well, I think he's been used to that before, though, Michelle. I think that he knows uh, that he's got a job to do. And, and, I, and I really think that there's some competition going on, too, with Kaprizov right now, uh, you know, fellow Russian that has played so well for the for the Wild uh, through this series right now. And I think that Vladdy is, I think, putting a little extra pressure on himself. And I think it is about winning uh, the team. It's most important if it doesn't matter what you do personally, if the team doesn't advance in the playoffs and things aren't, what they're supposed to be. So I think Vladdy's got a really good attitude about that right now, and, and it's good to see him uh, really uh, contribute last night. Bernie, for the second consecutive game, that Erickson-Eck line is held off the score sheet. As a matter of fact, Erickson-Eck, Felino, and Greenway all finished minus one last night. From your vantage point, what have the Blues done to be able to neutralize that crew? That's a really good question, Randy. I, I just think that the Blues are really outworking the Wild right now. I mean, I, I was kind of surprised last night. I thought that the Wild would come out, uh, would be a lot more uh, 
uh, aggressive on their forecheck. I thought they would be a lot more aggressive from line after line, each, each line going out there one after the other. And I thought the Blues just did a really good job kind of uh, um, just neutralizing everything. The Blues were the ones that were you know getting the puck. They didn't try to do anything fancy last night. They just were uh, very, very steady with the play. And, and they really took that energy out of that building. I mean, I, I, I once Kaprizov got that second goal, I thought, oh, oh here we go. Me the, too. The, the fans are involved. And, and they really didn't. They didn't get anything going. I mean, that line really didn't do anything other than Kaprizov out there. And I think uh, Dean Evison said it last night. Uh, Kaprizov was really the only guy on that team last night for Minnesota that was really competing. Everybody else was kind of just uh, going through the motions. So it, it was a very, very surprising. But whatever the Blues are doing, I mean, whether it's the uh, you know, standing up and the defense not allowing the, the forecheck to happen. I, I don't think that I saw, uh, you know, why, I think we were talking about that last night. There was only one time in the game that uh, it, was, it was maybe in the mid-first period where that the grief line um, actually had a, a really good shift where they, they really controlled the puck and had the cycle going in the Blues' uh, defensive zone. And I think that was the only one time that I really saw a lot of pressure uh, from the Minnesota Wild. So it, it was really kind of a strange game. But uh, whatever the Blues are doing right, they, they certainly need to do it uh, one more time and, and do this uh, as quickly as they can and put, put this series over with as quick as possible. Bernie, with the win last night, Jordan Bennington now has 18 playoff wins. He's the winningest Blues playoff goalie of all time. We talked about Vladimir Tarasenko breaking out and having it happen at just the right time. Jordan Bennington finding himself again also happening at just the right time. Yeah, he was real steady last night. I mean, that's what happens. I mean, we talked about uh, the goaltender all the time. If you uh, just don't let any bad ones in. You don't have to make a spectacular save, but just to do the job that you're supposed to, and that's stop the, the pucks that, that are there for you to stop. And I think that's what exactly what Jordan has done in the two games that he's come in. He's not really had to do uh, – he did make a couple of really good saves in, really in game four that I thought were really big in the third period. Uh, the other night, but uh, last night he really didn't have to really step up and come up with anything really big. He was just steady. He was in good position. I thought again right last night, and that's something that uh, uh, Craig Bruby has, has touched on, is that Jordan really handles the puck very well. And I think he a lot of those rims that came around last night, he was able to stop. He's made a couple of plays uh, early in the game up to the defense, uh, took the pressure off the defense by handling the puck, and I think he did a really good job with that once again last night. Bernie, the word steady is uh, has been applied to Nick Letty, steady Letty, but having him back in the lineup just makes such a difference. You, he he kind of brings like a, a comfort zone to me. I, I feel good about him being in front of the net because I feel like he's going to make the right play. Yeah, he's very poised out there, Randy. He he, he does. He, he reads the play really well. I mean, uh, when that puck is being dumped in, he's already, I mean, he skates so well. I mean, he's so smooth out there, too, uh, that his anticipation of where he has to go and where, where he, what he's going to do with the puck as soon as he gets it. And I think that's just a, uh, a experience. Uh, he, he's been around a lot of playoff games. What was that they were saying? That was 123 or 124 last night. That's a lot of playoff hockey. So he, he's been in the situation before. And, and he's very poised for doing it. And yes, to have him back in the lineup, both him and Bortuzzo were, were big last night. Uh, the experience that they brought uh, to the lineup, especially on the road, really was a, was a big factor last night. And Bernie Perunovic doesn't play. He plays on the power play, doesn't get a ton of minutes. He only had, I think, 13 last night. But number 48 just seems to stand out. Something happens when he's on the ice. Yeah, he's very, uh, I mean, he's one of those kids that, and I think that we're seeing that's the new NHL defenseman. I think we're seeing that with McCarr. We're seeing with 
with with a lot of the the smaller defensemen um, that have really done a really good job because they skate so well. They're so smart out there. Maybe they not be the physical defensemen that we're used to seeing, but um, they they get the puck. They know exactly what they have to do, and they kind of almost like want to want to be quarterbacks of whatever they have the puck out there. So uh, he's been certainly not out of place for a guy that hasn't played. Uh, much hockey since January, since the surgery, to come back and to be able to jump right back in the lineup, especially in the in the uh, heat of the playoff hockey, and, and do the job that he's done. I've been very, very impressed, and I think he's going to continue to get more ice time. I, I mean, I, we don't know how long Krug is going to be out, but uh, certainly, um, especially on the power play, he's getting his opportunities, and, and when the Blues need offense, I mean, he's a guy that's going to really uh, knows how to make the plays offensively and how to set up things, uh, you know, as far as, as uh, uh, trying to, you know, get the offense going. Bernie, I always appreciate Braden Chen, but there's just something about him in the playoffs that I watch the way he plays, and I just have so much admiration for him, whether it's the unreal back check or the hits, the way he sacrifices his body. He just truly is the all-time great team player. He really is. He's fun to watch because he's always in motion. He, he knows that, uh, and I think that obviously the other team knows that, that he's coming all the time. <laughs> he finishes a check no matter what. And uh, that's, I think, that brings the energy, I think, to the to the rest of the team. And certainly in our building here in St. Louis, when, when he's out there finishing his checks, he brings a lot of uh, <laughs> of the energy to the building as well, to the fans. So, I mean, he's one of those guys that he's a, he's a gamer. He's a, he's a winner. He wants to play. He wants the things to happen. And you have to have guys like that on, on, on your team. And I, and I think the, the position he's in right now, playing left wing with, with Perron and and with O'Reilly has, has been a great factor in, in, in what Chief has done, mixing things up. I mean, I think that's pulling all the right strings there and pushing all the right buttons, and, and that team has really been the catalyst of this team uh, uh, in this round of the playoffs. Finally, Bernie, are you like us in that even though the Blues won Game 7 in Boston after losing Game 6 here in 2019, even though the Blues have won a couple in Minnesota in this series, just get it over with tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> We are saying I 100% on your side. I mean, there'd be all the statistics, 80% of the teams that win the fifth game win the series. Well, you know what? Yes, let's not have another game six like we had in 2019. Let's not wait to have to be game seven. So, uh, yes, I think they all know business is business, and uh, they need to put it behind them. And, and certainly Minnesota, I don't think, is going to roll over and die. So the Blues have got to be ready. They've got to really – uh, as you go in the playoffs, the, the fourth one is always the hardest to win. Uh, so I think that they all know that, and, and I think they'll be very, very prepared for that tomorrow night. Hall of Famer Bernie Federico, you always educate us about hockey. We appreciate that. Always good to talk to you. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you very much. You guys have a great day, too. See you later. That's the Hall of Famer Bernie Federico on 101 ESPN. And hey, yeah, let's just get her over with tomorrow. I, I picked Blues in seven, and I'm praying that I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to see a game seven, Randy. No, it's it's just not good for our our well being, our physical well being. It it's so stressful. It's the the worst part of life <laughs> and the best part of life. If I you was win. just gonna say, if you win, which the Blues have a lot of uh, mm-hmm. won a lot of game sevens, it's you're never gonna have a high quite like the win from a game seven. But the build up all day long, the pressure you feel during the game, I would just rather have it done in six. Yeah, let's let's just take care of it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Matthew is here. And coming up, we've got the fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman in the red corner 
Savage, Joe Listener, and in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive, please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the fight. It is time for the fight on Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. We were just mesmerized. The television in here, Get Up, the show on ESPN. They were showing photos of Tim Legler's dog, Guinness, who looks like such a good boy. In wrestling, they have a term called cheap pops, when it's just easy stuff that the fans always love, that that's always going to get a good sound bite. The host, anytime you put up a picture of their dog, cheap pops. Always uh, works. Without a doubt, Guinness was wearing a beautiful red, white, and blue scarf, and driving a a vehicle. So, shout out to Guinness. Anyway, it's time for the fight. Enough dog talk here on 101 ESPN. Carl's joining us. He's going to take on Randy here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Carl. How are you doing? I'm fine, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for asking. Now, we're going to bring in Matt really quickly. I was not here the past two days. Did Randy win both of these fights? Yes, he did. He did. Okay. he four-jacked yesterday. Oh, wow. Okay. So, he's on a bit of a hot streak, Carl. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, it's no need being nervous when you come to terms with the fact that he's the smartest man, you know, you just kind of, <laughs> you're already defeated. Take it in. <laughs> yeah. No, Carl, but I can sense you have a little bit of Jordan Bennington in you a little, do I look nervous attitude? I can sense it. Right on. Yeah. I like that. All right, here we go. Good luck to you, Carl. Question number one, Thank you. you got it outside of New York. Only three world series have been played between two teams in the same metropolitan area. One is the Cardinals-Browns, another is the Chicago series. What is the third? Is it Dodgers-Angels, Giants-Athletics, or Red Sox-Braves? Um, I would say Red Sox-Braves on that one. Happy birthday to Cam Newton. At which school did Cam start his college career? Was that Miami, Florida, or Georgia Tech? Um... What was the middle one again? Uh, the number one was Miami. Number two was Florida. Number three was Georgia Tech. Are you typing, Carl? No, I think it was Georgia Tech. Okay, just wanted to make sure because you know, Carl, people will be texting in. Why don't you ask Carl <laughs> if he's typing? I hate those yes, so we're just we just have to to check. All, All right. right. Question number three, Carl. Harrison Bader notched the first ever Cardinals inside the park home run at Bush Stadium 3. Who was the last Cardinal to achieve the feat at Bush Stadium 2? Was it Roy Langford, Vince Coleman, or Lou Brock? Um, I think that was Vince Coleman, actually. And last night, Marks Vladimir Tarasenko's second career playoff hat trick the first came in the 2015 season in a 4-1 win against which team? Was that the Minnesota Wild, the Chicago Blackhawks, or the Dallas Stars? Uh, that was Dallas. Okay, we're checking Carl's score here. Yep, confirmed. Waving in Randy. Carl, I have to say, you have a great voice. Have you ever done any sort of broadcasting? <laughs> I have not. <laughs> You've got a great tone, I'm just saying. If you are looking for a career change, consider what we do. Randy, say good morning to Carl. You'll hear what I'm talking about. Carl, good morning. How are you? I'm fine, Randy. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. And Michelle is right. I'm just saying. Oh, it's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Carl, do you ever do you talk on the phone a lot for a living? You could also do that. No, I actually drive a tractor trailer for Schnucks. Mm-hmm. Um, Nice. Well, thank you very much for all you do. Yeah, we we love Schnucks. Yeah, we love Schnucks. Randy, cookie right cakes working. Yeah, you guys talk about them every day. So yeah. yes, it's awesome. Yes, Good sir. Company. I have to tell you, 
if I called the company and I was upset about something, you know, I'm calling the customer service line and Carl's on the other end, he would make me feel better. That's right. That's That's all I'm saying. All right, Randy, are you ready to go? Ready. Here we go. I heard you won the two days I was out, by the way. Yeah, I did okay. <laughs> a little Vladimir Tarasenko. Sure it was three on a, Monday and four on yeah, Tuesday. Not about the individual success. It's about the team. That's totally what it is. Yeah. Even though this is strictly individual success. <laughs> no, this is about the team. I want you guys to be happy, too. And you can't be happy unless I'm happy. Well, I'm cheering for Carl, Randy. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, question number one. Outside of New York, only three World Series have been played between two teams in the same metropolitan area. One is the Cardinals-Browns. Another is the Chicago series. What is the third? Um, so you've either got Boston or Philly. That's the only real possibility. Can you give the, me this again? Okay. The so whole the, question? Just, no, just the, the, two, uh, the two other. The third is... Uh, I'm sorry. The two others are, Bo- Here, are New, York, New York... New York and Chicago, right? It says outside of New York. Right. Only oh, outside of New York. Only yeah. three World Series have been played between two teams in the same metropolitan area. Cardinals-Browns, mm-hmm. Chicago Series, and what's the third? Okay. Um, so the possibilities here, because you've never had the Dodgers and Angels. Well, do we count the Bay Area? So we count 1989, the, uh, the A's and the Giants. We'll go with that. Happy birthday to Cam Newton. At which school did Cam start his college career? Uh, the school where he stole the laptop was Florida. <laughs> didn't know if you were going to mention the exact item stolen. Well, if he didn't, I was going to. Then we ever get the answers. <laughs> so I already had that one on deck. <laughs> because that's how we remember his tenure there, no? Oh, yeah. The, yeah. the laptop era? Yep, and then Florida State, it's crab legs. <laughs> Just saying. It's true. Some people... May argue it's something else at Florida State. Oh, this is true. This is also point. very true. Harrison Bader notched the first several Cardinals inside the park home run at Bush Stadium 3. Who was the last Cardinal to achieve the feat at Bush Stadium 2? Okay, I think I know, but I want to do the lifeline just to make sure. Ray Langford, Vince Coleman, Lou Brock. I will... It definitely wasn't Lou Brock. Uh, because I recall Willie McGee having one, I think. Um, I'm going to go with Ray. Got the right Ray. <laughs> and last night marks Vladimir Tarasenko's second career playoff hat trick. Mm-hmm. His first came in the 2015 postseason in a 4-1 win against which team? I think it was 2015, you said? Yes. I'm going to go with the Blackhawks. Close fight today. Final score, 2 V1. Is it Carl with the great voice or Randy with the mega mind? Matt, ring that bell. Just win, baby. Sorry, Carl. So close. Randy only beat you by oh, one. All, he only beat you by one. Yeah, it's all good. I, it's uh, Today was tough. It was a tough fight today. Yes, yeah. it was. All over the map with these questions. Good job by Matt. Well, Carl, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We hope you have a great rest of your week. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Go Blues. That's right. Go Blues. Go Blues. Here's to the winner. The man. He had a beard. There we go. You're really all over the board musically. We're going from rap to crooning to pop. Pretty much everything.
You're a man of the people. <laughs> Touching all genres. Outside of New York, only three World Series have been played between two teams in the same metropolitan area. Cardinals-Browns, Chicago Series, and Giants Athletics in 1989. Randy knew that one. HBD to Cam Newton. The school that he started his college career at was, in fact, Florida. The laptop era. Mm-hmm. Um, he was waiting in the wings to replace Tim Tebow. Too, yeah, how about by that? The way. Yeah. Do you know the community? Do you know the uh, JUCO he went to afterwards? Between that and Auburn? Oh, I forgot the name of that JUCO. Blinn. Blinn, that's right. Mm. Shout out to Blinn. Harrison Bader announced the first ever Cardinals inside the park home run at Bush Stadium 3. The last Cardinal to achieve the feat at Bush Stadium 2 was Vince Coleman in 1985. Ah, wow. Yes. And last night marks Vladdy, Big Daddy Vladdy Tarasenko's second career playoff hat trick. The first came in the 2015 postseason in a 4-1 win against the Minnesota Wild. So he ah. is, in fact, Big Daddy Vladdy just owning the Wild. He does own Minnesota. He's got the deed. Sure does. All right, that is the fight on 101 ESPN coming up. We're going to break down last night's Blues win with Jamal Mayers. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and Jamal Mayers has been kind enough to join us after Blues games during these playoffs to break down how everything went down and get ready for the next game. Jammer, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Everything's great. Thanks for taking the time with us this morning. I want to start with this. After Kaprizov scored his second, how were you thinking? Uh, how are you feeling with the Blues down 2-1? <laughs> uh, well, obviously he's a special player, and I was probably like every other Blues fan, a little bit concerned being on the road. Uh, Kaprizov looked like he he was uh, feeling it, uh, especially early on in the game and having started with a couple goals. Uh, it didn't look good, but uh, the Blues certainly responded and Bennington shut the door and uh, they got their game together. Jamal, from a game plan standpoint, how do you attempt to control or contain a guy like Kaprizov? Well, you know, honestly, he's a special player. So at the end of the day, you, he's going to create his opportunities. Um, it, it's, it's funny because he's a smaller guy. So the instinct is to just go to him, close him, be physical on him. But he's also very strong and great on his edges and on his skates. So he wants to enge- you to engage in him and run toward him and to hit him because he's so strong, he's able to spin off of those plays. My, You know, I think they're doing a great job. Ideally, you want him to have to play defense. Ideally, you want to find a way to keep him in his own end. Offensively, he's going to get his looks. He's going to create opportunities for himself and his line mates. Um, What you try to do is keep him outside the dots. Uh, He's a special player. Be physical on him when you can. As evidence, you saw Schenner go out of his way to to hit him, and and you want to do that. You want to be physical with him when you can, but you also have to be uh, aware that he's a special player and he's going to get his chances. And, and Jammer, you try to be physical with him, but you have to catch him first. I, I kind of felt like it, there was a little Patrick Kane there last night, too, because he has, number one, obviously, as you know, you played with the guy, sharpshooter, but he's hard to hit. Yeah, you, you know what? He, he's, he's At the end of the day, he's a smaller player that guys he's been playing against his whole life have been trying to hit him, right? So <laughs> He, want, he knows that you're going to try to hit him. He, he's strong enough. He's more powerful than you think, even though he's a smaller guy. 
he invites that. And sometimes he's going to be able to pass through you, to roll off of you, to make plays through you. So you've got to be aware not only of him, but other guys on the ice as well. So at the end of the day, you're better suited having him play in his own end. And the more you can do that, uh, the further away, keep him 200 foot feet from your own net. Uh, that's the best defense. Jamal, Ryan O'Reilly had a new baby girl on Monday. He then has a power play goal to lead off game five. It's a, probably a little bit of dad strength that's working there, but everything seems to be clicking for him. What are you seeing out of Ryan O'Reilly so far in this series? Well, it's just amazing. The emotional roller coaster that he must have been on in the last uh, week and a half. Um, just an amazing person, and first of all, and teammate. And someone who, you know, first of all, as a person, you're happy for him and his wife and family that uh, everything went well. And for him to stay focused, and, and I don't know how he did it, but uh, to maintain his focus over the last week and a half, knowing what was going on at home, eating up big minutes, playing over 20 minutes right now, uh, scoring a huge goal had to be a great feeling for him. And so the, the matchup that he has, the fact that he's playing against the other team's top players and, and coming out on the top, on the, on the, you know, the, the better side of the ledger and in two games in a row and leading his team once again. So, um, you know, happy for him, happy for this team who the last couple of games have found their, found their footing and figured out a way to get to flurry. Jamal, let's talk a little bit about Minnesota because in the first couple of games, first three games of the series, that grief line, the Erickson, Eck, Greenway, and uh, Felino line, they were unstoppable. Panger said, hey, the Blues don't have an answer for this group. Well, the last two games they have. What are you seeing? What has been the answer for that line? Well, they're first of all, they're all, all three of them are big. They're skilled. Um they're physical. I think that the less time you spend in your own zone, they want to dump it in. They want to be physical. They want to take pucks to the net. They want to simplify the game, and they want to have sustained zone time. I think the Blues have done a nice job of just understanding that sometimes you're just going to have to punt. Sometimes you're just going to have to get it out into the neutral zone, live to fight another day, and force that that line not to be able to forecheck. And so the, the quicker they're able to get out of the zone, a lot of the credit, too, for me, has to go back to the back end and the adjustments that they've made and, and the fact that getting Nick Letty back has helped, obviously Bertuzzo as well, but it's, the, it's those four top four defensemen that have been eating up tremendous minutes. And I think Perenko, you're seeing, I've seen the best hockey of him uh, these last couple of games playing over 20, almost 25 minutes. Again, plus two and heavy matchup. Uh, we've always wanted him to be physical and do all these other things, but I love what he brings to the table. He's a big guy who has a great stick, who's difficult to play against, has used his length to his advantage and and his size, and has really defended extremely well this entire series. Jamal, do you think the Blues close it out in Game 6 this Thursday at Enterprise Center, or do you think the the Wild respond and push it to 7? No, I think the Blues figure it out. I think that their experience uh, they'll lean on. Uh, Always toughest game to win is, is to end a team season so I don't expect it to be easy Uh, I think the first goal is going to be massive especially at home it'd be nice for the Blues to get off to a good start and get the crowd behind them Uh, one of the best buildings obviously in the entire league so um, I think the Blues find a way to get it done 
Jammer, one more thing. I want to ask about Bennington because obviously there was a roller coaster with him this year. But when you're a player on the ice and the guy back there has done it before, how much of a difference does that make? Billy Huso's been great all year, but he hasn't won a cup like Jordan Bennington has. Does that make a difference for a player? It does. I think that what happens is you know that he's going to shut the door. And and let's be honest, when he first came in uh, last game, the beginning part, and, and kudos to the, to the Blues for how well they defended, but they only allowed, I believe, four or five shots. So that's not the best way for Binner to get into the game. Uh, you fast forward to game five, and he didn't get a lot of action, but he was solid. He made huge saves. And when you're a guy on the bench, when you're playing in those games, you're sitting there saying, all right, Binner's back. We're ready to go. This is It, it brews it confidence into the group. And it gives you that here-we-go-again feeling in a positive manner that, you know what, we could do this again. Benner refound his form and refound his game. And playing the puck so extremely well, that's an element of his game I certainly didn't appreciate uh, until I, you know, watching the game last night, how well he moves the puck and, you know, really eliminated a lot of their forecheck. Uh, it can't go understated how well he plays the puck. So good for him, and you're absolutely right. The bench notices it. The guys notice it. Benner's starting to feel confident, and this group is heading in the right direction. Jamal Mayers, great Blues alumni, great St. Louis, and love having you on the show, and we love your breakdowns. We learn a lot, and we appreciate your time, and we'll do this again on Friday. All right, thanks for having me on. You got it, Jammer. Thank you. Jamal Mayers with us on 101 ESPN. He's he, he is such a great communicator of hockey, isn't he? Yes, absolutely. You're right. We always learn something whenever yeah. we talk to Jamal. So great to have him with us. So, Bernie Federico says he thinks the Blues are going to win tomorrow night. Jamal Mayer says he thinks the Blues are going to close it out tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. What do you think? We want you to join us. You can send us a mic drop with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app, or you can send us a text, 65780. How are you feeling now? Is there a chance that Minnesota comes back? We love the roller coaster ride, and we want to find out where you are on it next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seiden Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at SNPartners.com. Allegedly, our email is down. Mm. I have not received an email to the effect saying that our email is down. Mm, suspect. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I'm wondering. So anyway, uh, we're gonna ride this way. By the way, next week, why didn't you respond to the email? The email's down. Email's down. I heard email's down. Good play. So we we are accepting your texts. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line, and uh, we're going to talk about your expectations for the Blues tomorrow night. You fired up about it, and we've got Wayno coming up at nine fifteen. So we're going to spend a few minutes here, and then Adam Wainwright will join us for Wednesdays with Wayno coming up at nine fifteen. What are your expectations for tomorrow night? Blues Wild Game Six Enterprise Center Blues with the chance to close out the series. Michelle, because of the way. The Blues came out with such great energy on Sunday. And then the way they responded in the second and third periods last night, I expect the same sort of effort tomorrow night. Now, I expect the great effort from Minnesota, but this is where 
home ice really comes into play. Craig Bruby having the last change against that Erickson Eckline. And I was really surprised that Bruby did such an efficient job last night of getting the O'Reilly line on the ice against those guys. But with Bruby having the last change tomorrow night against those guys, I think the Blues will be able to neutralize them again. And I think the Blues energy, and Jammer talked about keeping the puck in the offensive zone, I expect them to do that. And it doesn't get any more simple than that. Hey, if you want to defend Kiprasov, keep the puck in his defensive zone. Right. If he's 200 feet from the goal, he can't do anything. Yeah, try to neutralize him that way. Yeah. Even though, as Jamal Mayers also mentioned, he's going to find a way to get out of it and, yeah. and get his shots in. He's an unbelievable talent. Remember when we did our pre-series predictions and we we had to pick the guy that we thought we'd be so sick of by the end of the series, yep. like the Brad Marchand type, like, oh, that guy again? And I picked Kaprizov because he's so good. He's unbelievable That good. We're going to be like, this guy again? We're going to let this guy beat us again? He is so talented, but I don't, and I partially am like, over him, but he's just so fun to watch. He's great. That I'm almost not that angry about it. And I'll tell you what, you talk NHL playoff player, I think Marcus Foligno's name is next to that word in the dictionary. Man, that Foligno is just hard. He's, Mm -hmm. you run into him and you fall down. He's, and uh, when we talked to their broadcaster before the, or no, we talked to Mike Russo uh, about him. He's just really, really good, and I, I always when he's on the on the ice, I feel threatened. There's a grit there. Yeah. As far as Game Six tomorrow night, I have so much confidence in the Blues. When I think about the fact that they weathered the storm of having Scandella, Letty, and Bortuzzo out, and that they're in this position, and now you have uh, most of your guys healthy, which is great, but you also have guys like Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko, Braden Shen, David Perron has had a hat trick. You have the guys that you need to step up and perform at the highest level doing so. Oh, and not to mention the guy between the pipes who looks like mm-hmm. the guy who helped you win a Stanley Cup. Jamal Mayers also talked about this with us. Um, was that last segment? Yeah, last segment. I'm losing track of time already, Randy. It was a late puck drop. I'm getting delirious in the 9 o'clock <laughs> hour. I'm like, was this last segment? But the fact that Jordan and Bennington is looking like himself again. Think about the confidence that that provides to this Blues team. Think about how we feel knowing, oh yeah, Benner's starting to look like playoff mm-hmm. Benner. And that gives us confidence. Imagine what it does for the Blues. So I have every confidence in the world that given all of those things that we're going to see the Blues close it out tomorrow, Game 6. And one other point, the Blues allowed six power play opportunities to Minnesota in the first game. 32 total penalties called in the first two games. Last night, only four penalties called. So hopefully the league has gone to the officials and said, okay, enough. Let them play. And that's what's happened. All right, text 65780. From the 314, I think being there and doing it before gives the Blues knowledge of how to play this. Even if Minnesota scores first, this is over 4-2 to two Blues. I like it a lot. And by the way, the one guy that has been there and done it at a high level for Minnesota is Marc-Andre Fleury. And now you've had a couple of games where, not that he's allowed bad goals, but they have allowed a lot of goals in the last two games. I wonder if there's any thought at all on the part of Dean Evason to put Cam Talbot between the pipes. If I were him, by the way, I would go with Marc-Andre Fleury. So would I. But it's certainly something you have to consider. Mm-hmm. But I, I would look at his record versus the Blues, and I don't know if that's going to give yeah. me the confidence check I need. Yeah, 0-7-1 into, for Talbot in his last eight against the Blues. Yeah, heading into an elimination game, I don't know if that's the play that I would make either. From the 3-1-4, my roller coaster ride for the Blues is like the Screaming Eagle. Fast, exciting, and I'm in the middle car sometimes. Sometimes it's on the track, sometimes it's off, and sometimes they turn it around backwards. <laughs> I never put it out there publicly, 
sometimes I will say to close friends or say to myself, oh, the series is over. But it is such a roller coaster ride that, uh, and I love the the emotion that people exhibit with the, the, the playoffs. But man, with this team, it's never over. It is never over. I felt that way. Are we in the trust tree? Mm-hmm. Okay. I felt that way after game two. Letty's out. Scandella's out. We've got a puck to the face to Robert Bortuzzo. Mm. I was just thinking, how are they going to withstand the attrition on defense? And it's great to have those guys back, but we didn't know when to expect yeah. some of those guys and back. And then you lose game three in yeah. large part because of that. Right, exactly. So I'm not going to lie. I was a little nervous, but I never counted them out. But having those guys back on D certainly helps. Yeah. From the 314, I foresee a goal by Vladdy in the first two minutes. I could see that. He's feeling it now. Three three goals in the third period. And by the way, he will be heavily defended by Minnesota tomorrow night, too. No doubt. From the 314, I expect a victory tomorrow night. My son will be honored as the military service member of the night, and he's a serious Blues fan. So thanks to him Thank you, for his son. service. Thanks to you, and congratulations. And yeah, there's a W right there because of the military service member of the game. That's right. Guaranteed. And a Carrick Smallman listening listener, you got the Carrick Smallman bump kind of doubled there. Sure. Which means David Perron will probably have a big night, too. Right, exactly. From the 314, I see the Blues laying an egg tomorrow night. Blues hockey has a history of doing things the hard way. They do. Which is very true. Yep. I mean, I I hate the realism, but you're right. Sometimes reality hurts a little bit. And that is reality. That's kind of been the history. Yeah, to think that you had to go seven games in the Stanley Cup final on the road for you to get your first cup mm-hmm. in franchise history. Is that not the definition of doing it the hard yeah, way? They have a tendency to do that. They do. From the 5-1-2, the Blues need to get the lead tomorrow night, but this time did it get a two-goal lead to take some of the pressure off. The games are too intense for us older fans. A hundred percent agree with you. That, that's exactly right. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. And thanks for your texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up, Adam Wainwright. It's Wednesdays with Wayno on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Getting you inside the cars. Inside corner, and he struck him out. That's strikeout number 1,000 at Bush Stadium for Adam Wainwright. It's Redbirds pitcher Adam Wainwright on 101 ESPN. Third time through the lineup, he strikes out seven, and he strikes out the side in the seventh inning. Presented by Chick-fil-A. Earn points on your next mobile order with the Chick-fil-A app. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker with you, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and Adam Wainwright is standing by for Wednesdays with Wayno. Good morning, Adam. How are you? Morning, guys. How are y'all doing? Everything's good. I loved your tweet last night. Vladdy pumped you up, uh, and you're ready to wrap it up at home tomorrow. Man, that was a huge win on the road against a very tough team. Down 2-1 after the first period, and you're thinking... Yeah, it's going to be tough. They they got home ice, and then all of a sudden you watch them just come back out of nowhere, just tie it up, and then man, they just really pulled away there. Couple of couple of incredible goals by Vladdy in a row that that uh, that really iced it. And uh, that you know that the weirdest thing, and that you know I've I'll be the first to admit I've never like I wasn't a hockey guy until coming to St. Louis, so I I really don't understand this, but. You know, you're up two goals, and everyone's like, all right, we're up two goals. That's great. And then you go up three goals, and everybody's like, oh, no, we're up three goals. 
the worst lead in hockey. And I'm like, <laughs> man, give me the biggest lead possible. I don't know what you're talking about. I'd better, I'd rather be up run, three runs than two runs in baseball. I can tell you that. But uh, apparently in hockey, you know, three runs is like the kiss of death. Three, <laughs> three, uh, three goals. I mean, so we know you like me. You probably succeeded in logic class in high school. Just seems logical, right? Kyle McClellan used to try to explain this to me back in the day. You know, the three-goal rule. He's like, no, it, he goes, it never fails. You get up three, and then all of a sudden they score four. It never fails. <laughs> I'm like, gosh, I mean, don't put that jinx on people, man. Up three is a good place to be. I like it. But I'm sure there's tons of hockey fans listening right now like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. It's 3-1 lead, you're never safe, Wayno. Well, you mentioned you weren't really a hockey guy until you came to St. Louis. If you were a hockey player, what position do you think you'd play? They say there's a lot of similarities between pitchers and goalies. Is that a position you'd ever consider? No, because, well, a couple reasons. Um, I would much rather shoot balls or shoot pucks at 100-plus miles an hour <laughs> than get them thin at my face, for one. Um, two, they say that the... The, uh, the, well, th- I'll give you three reasons. <laughs> Two, they say that the, the goalie really needs to be like maybe the best skater on the ice um, just to be able to have the agility to move around. And then the three, you have to be super hyper-flexible. And uh, I'm a horrible skater. I don't like things getting sent 100 miles an hour at my face. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and I'm, you know. I'm not flexible, so that's three for three. Yeah. We know <laughs> all three of those. One of your mentors when you came to Major League Baseball was Chris Carpenter, obviously, who played a lot of hockey, would would skate with the Blues, practice with the Blues. From a hockey perspective, you, you, you connect carp and hockey, and you, you get it, right? He, he just fits the mold of the, the big, mean, slashing hockey player. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a hockey guy, man. That guy's... He was as he was as tough and mean as a snake if he wanted to be. You know, he just uh, that's why you wanted him out there on the mound because he was looking. He would stare holes through guys, and he just knew he was he wanted to win more than you. But he was you know physical, and he was just about ready to fight at all times. He he got us in about three fights a year. I'm convinced. <laughs> but um, just the ultimate competitor, and and hockey guys are just tough, man. You know, you that commercial I saw a commercial the other day with was Ryan O'Reilly, and then he just popped his tooth out real quick. I'm like, I wonder how many of these guys actually have all their teeth. And the, the answer is probably not many of them. I'm glad they're wearing face masks, though, some of them. Yeah. You know, I know some of these guys are grandfathered into not wearing the face masks, but I wish uh, – I'm glad that they, they, they got the other ones wearing them because that's just – just makes a whole lot of sense. Brad Thompson talks about how he did not speak to Chris Carpenter for his first two years in the majors because he was so intimidated. And then finally Brad was holding court with a couple of guys and Carp leaned in one time in spring training and said, I didn't know you were funny. And BT said, well, that's because I've never talked to you because I'm intimidated. Did you find him or any other teammate intimidating? Have you ever? Oh, yeah. Carp was, Carp was the most intimidating player uh, that I've ever played with. There's no question about it. You know, Albert would walk by and and uh, and you, you kind of straighten up a little bit, you know, make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do or whatever, and and uh, you know, then carry on conversation. Hey, Albert, how you doing? Whatever, and, you know. He'd say, hey, guys, how you doing? And then it was great, you know. And then and then Carp would walk by and not say anything, and and he'd kind of look over at you with this scowl, and you'd go, "Oh crap, I got to be doing something. I'm gonna go uh, do my shoulder exercises. I'm gonna go run sprints around the field. I'm gonna go, you know, pick up trash. I'm gonna go do something. You could, you better not just be sitting in your chair doing nothing when he walked by. He was gonna let you know about it. 
And he didn't have to say a word to let you know about it either. He would just look at you, <laughs> and he'd be like covered in sweat from just grinding it out in the weight room or whatever. And uh, and and you'd be like, okay, well, he is harder. He's working harder than me, and I need to do something. And then he would just kind of like, by example, walk away like, huh, look at these guys, a bunch of slackers. And like, oh crap, I gotta go. Uh, Adam, it sounds like a, a similar experience that I have with Randy every day. He just gives me that look. He's sweating, grinding out, writing questions for you. I understand your pain. Yeah, I know Randy's a real hard one. You know, he's a real. <laughs> He's a real meanie to, to work with. Hey, you want to send a shout-out to my buddy Matt Holiday, who's tuned in right now listening. Oh, shout-out to Matt Holiday. Yeah, I just got a text from him saying he's listening in. He sent me a, a, uh, a snapshot of his son Jackson's season this year. Have you seen this guy's stats? I have not. He, he played in 40 games. He hit 685. He hit 17 home runs, a bunch of triples, a <laughs> bunch of doubles. Played unbelievable defense. Had seventy something RBIs, wow. I think, in forty games. Seventy nine RBIs, maybe. And uh, he's probably going to be a maybe the number one overall pick in the in the draft this year. Top five, maybe for sure. But maybe number one overall. Isn't that cool? And his son Ethan is a freshman, and he hit three eighty with ten bombs as a freshman. That's great. <laughs> you know, uh, That's unbelievable. Yeah, Adam. Wow. When uh, Andy Bennis got drafted, Andy Bennis went to uh, to Evansville. And he, he just loved the Cardinals growing up, and he wanted to be a Cardinal. And as soon as he got a chance to be a free agent, he came here. I have to hope that the youngsters of players that played here and love it so much, like Jackson Holiday, are, are going to get into baseball and say, you know what, eventually I want to wind up in St. Louis. Oh, yeah, they will. I mean, that's, you know, that's, I think when you grow up watching and loving the Cardinals, but even if you grow up, Watching the Cardinals from afar, kind of, you understand what kind of organization this is, and this is someplace you want to be. And, and uh, I think we've gotten really, really back to that now, where players look around the league, they go, "Hey, we want to go and play in St. Louis." You know, that was, and that was the thing when I was first coming up. Everybody wanted to come to St. Louis, you know, and then and then uh, we won a bunch of games, you know, in a row, and it was kind of like, ah, "I don't want to go play in St. Louis because those guys." We don't like those guys, and that means that when you don't, when nobody likes you a lot, that means you win a lot, and so that's a good thing. Um, and then, uh, and then we had a couple of years where we had to get some things straightened out. We did it, and now we're back. And 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 what we're hearing, and the players will let you know, right? The players that sign in go, man, I always want to be there, you know. And that is such a a cool thing to hear. It means you're you know you're you're keeping a legacy alive that's been around for a long, long time. You know, if when I got out of this game. If I left the Cardinals and then people were like, man, I hope I never play for the Cardinals, then I would have completely missed it doing my job of passing on this great tradition that I've been given. Yeah, you've done a magnificent job of that. Hey, one more thing with Matt listening. He told the story last week on the Fast Lane of when he got hit by Clayton Kershaw and got bruised, <laughs> and you guys sent him, sent Kershaw a picture. Can you give us that story from the Adam Wainwright perspective? <laughs> yeah. I think I was the one who took the picture, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, I think it was a little bit of retaliation. Um, you know, we had hit a couple of guys in a row, and and you know, when you're when you're on the team and you're the big dog in the middle of the lineup, and your guys have and your pitchers have been hitting the other team, you know, you know that that's come back to you. You know, at some point, and, and there's a lot of people out there going, "Oh, here goes those unwritten rules again." But the thing about it is you, you got to do it every now and then just to protect your guys and just to let the other side know, hey, listen, if you're coming up 
there or you're coming inside and you keep hitting us, we're going to take, we're going to take a shot at one of your guys. And it's, and it's a, it's a really, it is a healthy thing. Honestly, you don't, as long as you don't do it up high, you know, you take somebody in the, in the booty cheeks or something. Um, but, but Clayton, Clay, you know, Clayton's such a stud. I love this guy. I've loved competing against him for a long, long time. And, and uh, he's one of the best competitors the game's ever known. He's a Hall of Famer for sure. He's that super annoying guy that no matter what year it is, I can look up at the leaderboard and he's on there for something. <laughs> um, but he was uh, he was great about it. You know, he he knew he had to do it. He knew he had to get mad. And he, he left this giant. I mean, he squared him up. <laughs> and Matt Matt knew he had to wear it, you know, and went to first and, Clayton knew he had to make Matt wear it, and Matt, Matt and Clayton and I were all good friends or whatever. And so after the game, I sent him a pitch, sent Clayton the picture. And uh, and Clayton was like, I know, man, I'm sorry, dude. I <laughs> had to do it. I apologize, you know. <laughs> like Matt was like, yeah, no, you just got me good. Whatever, got me good. <laughs> Adam Wainwright joining us here on 101 ESPN. That was a great story, Adam. After we spoke to you last week, I think it was right at the day maybe after we spoke to you last week, you have to go on the IL because of a positive COVID test. I know that you tweeted about it, that you were feeling good, but we haven't had the opportunity to speak with you since then. But take us through that process and how you're feeling now. <laughs> uh, you know, what? it's just such a frustrating time. Sometimes we live in, you're going, and you know, if I had the flu, in a hundred and four degree temperature, I could go in there and play baseball, no no problem. Just take some Theraflu or whatever. Hey, yeah, go get them. But I have this thing called COVID, and uh, and and you know you got to be pay, you got to be careful to to be sensitive to a lot of people because everybody reacts differently to it. And there's been a lot of really bad cases around the world. I know that. And I've, we know people. You know, my, my daughter's best friend, um, mom. Uh, her mom died of COVID. So, I mean, I know how, you know, there's, I know that it affects people in different ways, but I don't have a single symptom. I mean, not even a sniffle and uh, just waiting to get these, these tests cleared. And, and so I had it in, in January at the very end of January and I did get sick for, for three days. I was, I was pretty laid up and uh, had a big, uh, had, had a good fever, had, you know, the, the hot cold flashes for three days in a row or, I felt like as soon as I moved, I would sweat bullets. And then as, as soon as I stayed still, I'd freeze, you know, my tail off and then didn't want to eat anything and, and just completely zapped for two days after that, where I couldn't get off, out off the bed, like for more than about a minute before I felt like I was going to pass out after five days, I was pretty good. Now I still can't smell anything. If you can believe that wow. from three months ago. Wow. Um, but, uh, you know, this time, you know, whether it's just because I have, the antibodies in me now, or, or if there's a chance that I don't even have what, you know, it is. And it's called viral shedding and you're getting, you know, rid of kind of the, all the stuff that you had in you already. We don't really know. And these tests, I'll just be honest, these tests stink, you know, they, they stink. I, I have not had one symptom, um, but I'm working on it. You know, I'm just, I'm trying to, to keep my game going so that as soon as I get two positive or two negative tests in a row, I can come back. The problem is I've had, uh, I've had three or four negative tests, but I've had three or four positive tests too, you know, and they, every other one. So, um, the negative tests got to come home and they reversed those results and they said, well, those, that might've been positive. So it's just been kind of a, I've been given the runaround a little bit with these re- test results, but you know what? I'm just enjoying the, what I'll, all I can do. Cause there's just, there's rules in place and I, you know, you know, obviously if I do have it, 
I don't want to get anybody else sick, so I have to stay quarantined away from everybody until I get those two negative tests in a row. About to go in uh, to the field in just a few minutes here and, and try to get that second test um, good. So we're going to find out. But all I can do is stay ready and stay. I'm lifting every day still, and I'm, I'm making sure my body's in shape and running. I mean, you know, if I had tried to do this in January, I'd had to call in and be like, listen, I need a couple weeks, man. Like, I give me – like, I'm zapped, you know, but – I've had uh, probably more, probably more appetite than I've had all year. Um, but I, I didn't get to see my family mm. except for about six hours for four straight weeks. Right. We got in. Uh, they got in on a on a Sunday night, this lap before this last road trip, and I hadn't seen them in three weeks. I saw them for six hours, and then we turned around and left uh, that very next morning to go out of town. So this time for me, I'm just enjoying, you know what, all I can do is make the most of it. So I'm staying ready. I'm enjoying this time with my family. Um, it's beautiful weather, you know, spent all day yesterday out in the yard playing and, and, uh, and my son wants to play baseball all day long. So, I mean, you know, what, what else can you do besides make the most of a bad situation? Hey, Adam, how do the protocols in baseball work right now? And for example, in football, Aaron Rodgers tested positive and didn't have to get tested for six months. I think it was that way with the NHL with Ryan O'Reilly, too. So uh, how are you going about and do you have to get tested? What's happening there? Yeah, I got tested because I was a contact tracer with somebody who did test positive um, earlier. But I think I, you know, I, I think if I'd have. Um, I don't know. I might have just I might have just missed it by a couple of days. I tested positive in, in January. January twenty fourth is when I tested positive, and I think there's a three month rule in baseball. Okay, where if you you test within three months, if you tested positive, then you're you're exempt from contact tracing um, tests. And uh, I wish I would have pushed that envelope a little bit harder, but um, you know I just didn't think I had it. You know they 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 swabbed me just to make sure. Just so, but at the end of the day, I mean. You know, because it does affect everybody differently, you don't want to get everybody sick. So I I understand it. I, I think that, I mean, you know, you hate to say it, but I think probably COVID is going to be in our lives for the rest of our lives. I mean, you know, there's going to be some strain of COVID floating around probably for the rest of our lives. And uh, eventually what we're going to have to do, I think, I'm no expert, but what I think we're going to have to do is just treat symptoms. You know, mm-hmm. like if, if, if nobody's feeling anything, then um, they don't need to go get tested. And if they got, you know, some symptoms, then they do. I mean, you know, these strands, seemingly, too, these these strands are not as bad as the ones um, that were originally out there. That's just what I'm hearing from, you know, the science that's out there. But like I said, I'm not an expert, and I'm definitely not trying to get um, anybody inflamed out there that has had different uh, experiences with this because I know it affects everybody differently. Well, Adam, I think our big takeaway is just that you're feeling good. We're happy to hear that. Adam Wainwright joining yeah. us on 101 ESPN. And Adam joins us every Wednesday. And Wednesdays with Wayno is brought to you by Chick-fil-A. And Adam, during this downtime, maybe you need to take advantage of eating some Chick-fil-A. I know Sunjoy is your fa- your favorite. And with the weather heating up, it feels like a good time to have a nice cold Sunjoy. Yeah. I mean, and, and just so everybody knows out there, Sunjoy is an Arnold Palmer Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and... Uh, it is a delicious snack. I mean, you know, Chick-fil-A is obviously delicious in itself, but you get the Sunjoy to go with. It's great driving material, too. You know, you mm-hmm. got you got a long drive. Get you a nice 
Arnold Palmer Sunjoy in there, but make sure you get it with the sweet tea now. Come on, you got to get it with the sweet tea, and uh, that'll that'll make you drive a little bit better. And what's your ratio, Wayno, when it comes to the Arnold Palmer Sunjoy? Do you think it's 50-50 iced tea, lemonade, or do you like it a little differently? Some people like a little more lemonade because they like it sweeter. I like a little more tea, actually. Oh, nice. um, I'll go probably probably 60-40, tea to, tea to lemonade, or 70-30, tea to lemonade. I mean, if I had to pick one drink in my life, you know, that 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 would be just as good for me as water if I could drink it, it would be sweet tea. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just I had an Australian teammate named uh, Michael Forbes when I was in the minor leagues. And, and, and uh, the guy loved beer more than anything. I'd be like, <laughs> you had to drink one thing and it would make you not thirsty and it would do everything that water does and needs to do. But you just love the taste of it so much. And he's like, beer. No doubt, beer. You know, and and he goes, "What's what about you?" And I go, "Dude, sweet tea, man. Every day of the week, no problem, no doubt." <laughs> hey, Adam, there's a couple of great events coming up with Big League Impact. We're excited about being involved on June 3rd at Patios with the Big League Impact Trivia Night, second annual. You guys will play in Chicago that afternoon, and then join us virtually. And we want people to get out to Patios. Michelle and I and BT will be there, and I, I'm really excited about seeing how everybody else does. I, I can't participate in, in trivia against people, so I, I just want to be there to help out. But I think there's a chance, Adam, that for one of the sports rounds, my services may be auctioned off to a particular team. Well, and you have you have an incredible amount of, of knowledge of sports trivia and that. I mean, that's everybody knows that in the world. Everybody knows that. You're like, you know, you're like the Jeopardy king of sports trivia from what I've heard and understand. So that would be a good thing to auction off. People that are going there. June 3rd, we'd love to uh, have your participation. We still have a bunch of tables to sell um, that uh, are going to go towards helping our great mission at Big League Impact. Um, it's going to be a great night. Also, June 12th um, is our Top Golf event. And you can go to play Top Golf with me and my teammates. We're going to be there in person playing with y'all out there in Chesterfield. And uh, it's going to be an incredible day. Can't wait to see everybody there. Can't wait to see everybody at at, uh, at um, the trivia night either. Though I mean that that's I don't think anything we can do fun together like that and just get together and raise money for a charity and and help a lot of people that we're going to help. That's a really cool thing. It really is, and folks can get involved by just going to bigleagueimpact.org, click on that events tab, and you can sign up for the trivia night or participate in swinging for impact, like Adam said, June 12th over at Top Golf in Chesterfield, and that'll be a great event, too. Hey, we're glad you're feeling well. Can't wait to see you back on the mound. We always like talking to you. Thanks so much, and have a great day. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. You bet. See you later. That is our friend Adam Wainwright on 101 ESPN. So glad to hear that he's feeling great. I know he had tweeted about it, but that has to be so frustrating for him that he's feeling really well. He's staying active, working out, and he just has to hope that the tests turn up negative. And he wants to win, obviously. He wants to get out there and help his team. We want to see he and Yachty be a battery. Mm -hmm. We we don't want to miss out on those dates either. So hopefully he'll be back sooner rather than later. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit more blues. Darren Pang will join us as we head down the stretch here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
News Talk Speculation and Reaction with Carriker and Smallmates Darren Pang on 101 ESPN. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. It was a late night for the Blues traveling party after the 5-2 win over Minnesota last night. Darren Pang, kind enough to join us this morning after that Game 5 victory last night on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Pang, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great, uh, Randy and Michelle. It, yeah, you're right. It's a, a long one. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get up really early for you. This was as, as good as I could do there after the, uh, after the schedule I've been on and traveling late last night. So glad to join you this morning. I'm sure the Blues fans are, are happy with that uh, important Game 5 win last night. And obviously we are all on cloud nine this morning, but i got to go back. How were you feeling after Kaprizov scored his second to make it 2-1? to one? God, the guy's a machine. I mean, I, I, you know... I love the game of hockey, and I, I, you know, you know me. I, I, I get excited for, you know, the the Blues winning games is is obviously of the utmost importance. But when you're watching the, the NHL, and I'm going around doing games uh, um, for TNT, I, I, great performances, great players. You, you just you marvel at it. I couldn't believe that he was able to get that puck so quickly from his backhand to his forehand and fire that under the bar and in. And he was a one-man wrecking crew, to be honest with you. And at that particular point, I thought the Blues were going to be in trouble because it looked from it looked uh, at that point like he was going to score five. So I thought the Blues really did a good job, of, you know, tightening things up. And but I did hold my breath every time that Kaprizov got on the ice and every time he he got the puck and made a move. It's like he's a uh, he is that he's that dynamic. It's a uh, he's a fun, such a fun player to watch, and I'm sure for the Blues players, not a fun player to watch because he never gives up. So, um, you know, a guy that's not going to go away in Game Six uh, with the Minnesota Wilds. You know, game, you know, their season is going to be on the on the line tomorrow night. Pang, our guy who's not going away for the Blues is Ryan O'Reilly. You mentioned in the broadcast last night that this is as good as you've seen number 90 skate all season long. What's the difference? What are you seeing from him right now in this series? I don't know. Have, having a baby girl. <laughs> That's right. Dad strength. <laughs> like, you know, I, I think he's he's a, he's a such a unique player because, you know, we know that, that he's not, you know, he's not, he's not a powerful skater. He's not, he doesn't skate like Kaprizov. Uh, he certainly can't go... Um, you know, go straight forward like uh, like other guys. But it, it, last night there was a jump in his in his in his step. There was an anticipation in his play. He was ahead of the play last night, almost in every sequence. So you, uh, every every time he went into the corner, he, he, he wanted. Not only did he win the board battle and bump it to uh, to either Shen or or David Perron, then he got to the open spot, and next thing you know, he had the puck again. So whether he was skating fast or playing fast. I'm not sure, but all I know is I thought personally that that was the fastest game that he's played all season long in the most important game that the Blues had. So it just tells you all about what he's all about. You know, when the pressure's on, um, he he goes and he plays at his best. So I was really, really, you know, that that old that old goat line was fantastic, and they they just they you know what Michelle they they play the game. The way it's supposed to be played, when when you're in a playoff situation, you've got to be strong on sticks, and you've got to take out the man. And you, that was Braden Shen. He was a he was an absolute machine. He was crushing as many people as he could, but he didn't run out of position to get those hits. And then you had Perron and and, o, and O'Reilly in such good position, you know, all game long and moving the puck back and forth. So really thrilled for uh, for Ryan. I know it's been a heck of a last uh, 
probably 48 hours, maybe even a little bit longer than that. But for him to muster up that energy was pretty impressive. Panger, along those lines, you said in Game 3 when the Erickson, Eck, and Felino and Greenway line was dominating, you said the Blues just don't have an answer for that line. And obviously, Berube puts Shen on with Perron and O'Reilly, and it, it has made a difference. What has been that answer that they didn't have in Game 3? You know, I, I don't know. I think just as the series goes on, maybe maybe you know tendencies a little bit more. Maybe they don't quite or didn't quite have the legs to get into it, to get those big hits. Um, they were, you know, the, every time there's a, a stoppage of play or a second period line change, I mean, they're, they're right there um, in whatever skirmish is, is happening. Um, but Erickson Act hasn't had the shots. That they that he had before too, you know those openings, those wrist shots from from where he was. They seemed to like at the beginning uh, that line going up against Saad Thomas and, and Jordan Cairo. Um, I think that left some openings as well, and I I do think that you know Rosen and Falk, boy, they played you know that that Cali Rosen. I don't know what he played last night, twelve or thirteen minutes, but it seemed like it, he broke up a lot of big plays. So I think the defensemen were skating well and closing gaps a little bit more. You know, not giving them as much time and space and not allowing them um, time on the cycle and, and driving hard to the net. So the other thing is, and, and I'm not sure, I, I usually watch the game the next day because I get a better feel for it, but I, I do believe that that line is such a great forechecking line. Every time they dump the puck in, I think Jordan Bennington had an answer. So mm-hmm. they weren't able to get that forecheck going and that cycle game going, which wears you down because they're so big and strong and they're so disciplined in it. So, uh, you know, I'll look at it again today and, and see if that might have broken up, a, you know, several sequences that they could have gotten in on the forecheck. Panger, I want to stick with Jordan Bennington, who makes 30 saves last night, second straight win in this series, and a franchise record 18th career postseason victory. And he just looks locked in. He looks like playoff Jordan, Jordan Bennington. Yeah, I'm I'm thrilled for the guy because everybody knows how difficult this position is, and um, you know it's it's the really the only individual position on a team sport, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, yes, everybody's in it together, and yes, you're cheering on your teammates. Which I mean, that's exactly what you know Jake Allen did while Jordan Biddington took over the reins in 2019. You you do things behind closed doors that people don't see. Um, but at the end of it, you want to be the guy that's in the net. You know, you want to be the guy that's uh, deciding whether or not you're winning games or not winning games because that's what you're you're born to do, and that's what you've done forever. So now he gets his chance, and he's and he's taking advantage of it. Uh, I once had an old coach that said, "When the door opens, you better you better jump in, but you better shut the door behind you and not let anybody mm-hmm. else back in." And that's kind of what. You know, I think that's what Jordan's doing now. He waited his turn, and now he's in a good position. It doesn't mean that Billy Huso is not going to be needed. If it's going to be a long playoff run, I think we have the same philosophy maybe as Minnesota, uh, although they have not made a goalie change. But I think before this series started, many of us felt like all four goaltenders were going to be used. And so it shouldn't be a surprise. It, it should just be a compliment to how good the depth is on both sides. Hey, Panger, before we let you go, for those that aren't aware of it, and I wasn't aware of this, most buildings in the league have a setup for you to be between the benches and they didn't have that in dallas but they specially made one for you so that you could be between the benches down in dallas that 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 is correct yeah there's there's an open space and it would be okay except the backup goalie is beside me and uh it's it's nhl policy it's not dallas star or calgary flame policy and it's not tnt policy that i'm there Uh, but the nhl you know they're still very cautious of it so we had to go through several mandates including a COVID test for me to make sure that 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 it was 
going to be good for everybody. So they built it for me. They put it together in about three minutes, and it's a very small area. I, I, I joke that uh, our old friend John Davidson probably couldn't be <laughs> right. down there uh, between the benches in this uh, in this particular booth that I'm in. So it's been fun. Um, I, I think I'm going to Dallas uh, for what will be game six on Friday. Um, but that that has been really cool. The players are actually having as much fun as I am right there because uh, – you know they're they're making comments or they're looking at it and wondering how I, how the heck I'm getting into that little uh, little booth there between the benches. It's great and Panger, we we love your passion. We love the way that you analyze for Bally Sports and hopefully the Blues can finish this one off tomorrow night. Yeah, that sounds great. The place is going to be absolutely rocking. So it'll be important for the players just to go go in there with a calm demeanor and, and don't run around. Don't play abnormally. Just play your normal game and and uh, come out with a win and that's all that's going to matter. We will see you at the rink, sir. Thank you. Yeah, sounds good, Randy. Michelle, have a great day. Take care. That's the great Darren Pang on 101 ESPN. And uh, Michelle, everybody we've talked to this morning is pretty confident about tomorrow, whether it's Bernie Federko or Jamal Mayers or now Darren Pang. Everybody seems confident about the Blues in Game 6. I feel confident about the Blues in Game 6, even though you know that the Wilds are going to throw everything they have at them. They will. And that's crushing. You throw everything you have at a team and then you lose anyway. It's crushing. And that's what we want to do is basically crush the Wilds. Take the knife, jam it into their eye and yeah. into their brain. Isn't that Jay Delsing's place, Wild Crush? Yeah. So that's what we're doing. We're going to, tomorrow, in honor of Jay Delsing's wine bar, there's going to be a Wild Crush by the Blues. Okay. There Love it. Uh, we've got, uh, I think, a balloon party coming up with T-Mac and Ajax here on 101 ESPN. By the way, don't forget tomorrow, BKM Ferrario and the Fastlane are going to be live at Enterprise Center as we gear up for Game 6. Get there early, enjoy the Bud Light Happy Hour pregame party in the Anheuser-Busch Beer Garden, and two hours prior to puck drop, enjoy live music, food, and drink specials, and stop by the 101 ESPN table to get registered to win a signed Blues jersey. Great job today by our producer, engineer, and now upcoming putter extraordinaire, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. Oh, Michelle, great to have you back. Great to be back, Randy. I'll see you tomorrow. You betcha for Friday Eve. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Winter season is here, and Discount Tire wants you to stay safe on the road. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online at DiscountTire.com. Discount Tire, let's get you taken care of. Let's get you taken care of.